Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Episode 196 for the love of the game on the Believe Podcast Network is brought to you by Bet Online. It's here, folks. Super Bowl week is here, and you can find all your favorite bets. Prop bets galore on Bet Online. Bet Online is always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events, whether it's the Super Bowl, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, golf, you name it. Bet Online has it. Head to betonline.ag today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use promo code BLEAV, B L E A V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus. Bet online where the game starts with that said. Episode 196 for the love of the game. Let's get this work. Talk to me, man. It's your boy, Young Hope. We turn the noise up. We can get right into the proceedings this evening. The headphones at the start. Bring it down a little bit. Okay. Now we working with it. The boy face up and baseline, baby. Baseball. Welcome to New York City. Shaboy Young Ho. Chia. Kanye West on the track. Shot Town. What's going on now? Can I talk to y'all for a minute? Let me talk to y'all for a minute. Just give me a minute of your time, baby. I don't want much. Let me talk these more. Guess who's Bizak? Still smell a in my clothes. Don't make me have to relapse on these. Take it back out the tax in the road. When I was hugging it, couldn't do nothing with it. Straight from the oven with it. Came from the dirt. I emerged from it all without a You know what it is. Episode 196 for the love of the game on the Believe Podcast Network. It is yours truly, Aaron Tobin Hess. We are here, people. It is Super Bowl week. It is actually a jam-packed week in sports. Lead up to Super Bowl Sunday. There's going to be a lot of talk about Super Bowl preview. We're going to do that later on in the show. NBA trade deadline is heating up. We already had a big trade. We're going to talk about that later on in the show. I'm coming to you on a Monday night. The Rangers just played a crazy overtime win. They're back from all-star break. So it's a packed sports week. But this monologue is dedicated to the NBA. We'll get to the Super Bowl stuff later. I know last week was a mini episode. It included one of my great rants of all time where I lost my mind about Knicks trade rumors. I still feel that way about the Knicks. Nothing has changed. I know they had a great win in a game back-to-back against the Philadelphia 76ers where they got down early, came back to win. I was shocked that they won. They had a Heartbreaking loss the night before against the L.A. Clippers. Next level loss. That's just the New York Knicks. We're not talking about the New York Knicks. So we're going to get into the trade stuff. And obviously the Kyrie Irving to Dallas trade is the headliner. But first, all-star reserves were announced. So in the East, we had DeMar DeRozan, Jalen Brown, Drew Holiday, Julius Randle, Bam Adebayo, Tyrese Halliburton, and Joel Embiid, who probably should have been a starter anyway. And for the West, we had DeMontis Sabonis, John Morant, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Laurie Markin, Paul George, Damian Lillard, and Jaron Jackson Jr. A couple of things here. One, I think for the most part, the reserves are pretty good. I mean, 
It's really, really hard to make an all-star game right now in the NBA. It's only 12 spots, and the league is as deep as it's ever been. I mean, in each conference, there were legit four quote-unquote snubs that you could say had great cases to make the all-star team. Who are you going to knock off? Now, in the East, if you had to knock somebody off, I mean, DeMar DeRozan, like, what are we doing here? All right, the Bulls stink this year. I know he's been great, but DeMar DeRozan could have easily been replaced. Julius Randle, I would also say, could easily be replaced. I know the numbers are what they are, but they're empty calorie numbers. If anybody watches the Knicks religiously, which I do, we all know that the Knicks had one worthy all-star, and that was Jalen Brunson. And even he wouldn't be my first guard replacement. I mean, he's on the short list. He was on that list of four that I just mentioned in each conference. But he wouldn't be my first guard replacement. That just goes to show you how crazy good the NBA is right now. Unbelievable. So, yeah, if I had to pull DeRozan and Randall up, I would have given it to Jimmy Butler at forward. I know he's missed a lot of games. He's still one of the 10 or 11 best players in the league when right. So I would just reward that. Sorry, I that's just my thing. And if I had to take off DeRozan, I would have put in Darius Garland. Yes, Darius Garland ahead of Jalen Brunson. The problem with Jalen Brunson is that all the knuckleheads who voted Kyrie Irving to be a starter, we'll get to him in a second, that basically took Jalen Brunson's spot. Or Darius Garland's spot, for that matter. So, yeah, if I had my pick, it would have been Jimmy Butler, Darius Garland over DeRozan and Randall, and Kyrie would have gotten the boot altogether, and that spot would have gone to Jalen Brunson. In the West, Paul George, eh. I know the Clippers are all right, and Paul George has played a, enough games, but... Anthony Edwards has played every single game and is like leading the league in minutes and having an awesome year. So if Paul George is going to be slid down to a forward spot, Anthony Edwards, we could slide him in it as a small forward. He can get his replacement. I would have done that. Uh, I would have been fine with him replacing Jaron Jackson Jr. I know Triple J is having a very nice year, 17-7, and seven, and the defense is all-world. But he hasn't played enough games, hasn't played enough minutes. I would have gotten Anthony Edwards over both those guys. And De'Aaron Fox was the biggest snub. The Kings right now are the third seed in the West. You're telling me the Kings did not deserve two guys? Really? De'Aaron Fox should have been in over Triple J, Paul George. And even Damian Lillard, as great of a season Damian Lillard's having, the Blazers are not very good. And this isn't a Lifetime Achievement Award. And you'll probably say, Aaron, why would you pick SGA over Damian Lillard? Because SGA's team's not very good either. SGA is having a magical season. Damian Lillard's pulling up a lot of numbers, and he's been really, really good. But I don't know. I just, I think SGA's been better. I just think SGA has been better. So, yeah, if I had to do the West over again, Paul George out, Jaron Jackson Jr. out, De'Aaron Fox and Anthony Edwards in, 
Obviously, the news that Steph Curry is going to be out a month. I think De'Aaron Fox will take his spot. I think Anthony Edwards will take Zion Williams' spot, who's still out. It's just, it's really hard to make an all-star game right now in the NBA. And it should be. It should be. For everybody who's complaining that they should go to 15 spots, get lost. Like, this should be an exclusive club. You should have to really earn it. So kudos to everybody who got voted in as a reserve. I like All-Star Weekend. Obviously, the dunk contest has been a snoozer recently, but the three-point contest is good. And I think the Elam ending has really improved the All-Star game in terms of the quality of play. Okay, so now the big news in the NBA. And we're going to get into other trade deadline stories with a recurring guest in just a little bit. But the big news is Kyrie Irving has been traded from the Brooklyn Nets to the Dallas Mavericks. Dallas gets Kyrie and Markeith Morris. Brooklyn gets Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, a 2027 second-round pick, a 2029 first-round pick that is completely unprotected, by the way. That's important. And a 2029 second-round pick. Okay, lots to unpack. Let's look at this at the net side. And we can talk about the basketball fits for who the Nets got. And by the way, at the time of the recording, it's the, the trade isn't 100% official as the Nets are trying to engage a third team, the Toronto Raptors. So we'll see how that unfolds. It may be a separate deal. Again, we'll see how that unfolds. Let's put the basketball fit aside for a second. As I said on Instagram yesterday, when the trade was first announced, the Brooklyn Nets are an embarrassment of a franchise. They're an embarrassment, an embarrassment of a franchise. They are Clippers East, if not worse. They're corny and they're an embarrassment. Why? Because the so-called culture-building Brooklyn Nets in the last year and a half have had three guys of tremendous stature, Kevin Durant, James Harden and Kyrie Irving all demand trades. Those so-called Brooklyn Nets that once upon a time put up a billboard in midtown Manhattan saying that the city was under new ownership. Those same Brooklyn Nets have had trade requests from three guys of major stature. Now, I don't believe that Kyrie Irving is a star player. I don't. If you look at his career outside of LeBron, he's been a losing player. He hasn't had a relevant playoff moment in six years. But he has clout. And the fact that the Brooklyn Nets can't seem to hold on to guys of this stature that everybody's constantly unhappy is hysterical. I mean, just look at what Kyrie Irving did to the Brooklyn Nets. And this is before KD went out with an injury. This is the same Brooklyn Nets team that was 18-2 and two in their last 20 games. They were putting it all together. But with Kyrie Irving's crazy ass, the shoe had to drop. And it did. Obviously, it's in reference to his contract. 
You know, Kyrie is a free thinker who doesn't necessarily care about material things. Yeah, he was holding out for a contract. The Nets, who didn't necessarily want to give him a full max without games played guarantees, because you know they pay him to play basketball. And Kyrie Irving, when it comes to playing basketball, is anything but dependable. But yeah, the Brooklyn Nets, three guys who are all NBA caliber players have asked for trades in the last year and a half. Couldn't happen to a better franchise. Those fucking losers. Unbelievable. Unbelievably pathetic by the Brooklyn Nets. The culture building. Brooklyn Nets. The non-toxic team in the tri-state area. Get out of my face. Fucking losers. Unbelievable. Couldn't happen to a better franchise. But in terms of the basketball... This is actually not a bad trade for the Brooklyn Nets. You know, Kevin Durant has been one of the six best players in basketball. That's not negotiable right now. And they got players that will help them. Dorian Finney-Smith will help the Nets. Spencer Dinwiddie, if he's still on the team, will help the Nets. Can Spencer Dinwiddie approximate 65% of Kyrie Irving's production? I think he can. It's not crazy. And even if he's flipped to Toronto for somebody like Fred Van Vliet, you know, I, I think the Nets are going to be fine. So this whole question of will the Nets trade Kevin Durant, how does Kevin Durant feel about this right now? I've got news for you, and I know Vegas is all over this, that the fact that they really believe that Kevin Durant is on the move. I mean, it was like minus 200 right now, the odds today, that Kevin Durant's going to be traded. Kevin Durant is under contract for another three seasons, and he has no opt-outs. If you're the Brooklyn Nets, you have no reason to trade Kevin Durant. Ride this season out. See if KD can pull you to an Eastern Conference Finals. Do I think it's going to happen? No. But is it possible? Sure. I mean, they can make moves around the edges. I just mentioned a couple of trade scenarios. I think the Nets will be just as good now in terms of seeding as they would have been with Kyrie by the end of the year. You know, Kyrie has all the talent in the world, but the guy's a cancer. He's a cancer. So the Brooklyn Nets got useful pieces back, and we'll see if they're done dealing. They may not be done dealing. And by the way, Cam Thomas tonight, without Kyrie and without Kevin Durant, went for 47, 40 points back-to-back nights. I mean, guy's getting his buckets right now. But So, yeah, in terms of the basketball side, I think the Nets will be okay. I just think it's hysterical that the culture build in Brooklyn Nets that celebrated the arrival of Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden, now two of those guys are gone, and all three have asked out in the last year and a half. That, to me, is just hysterical absolutely hysterical and the knicks are seen as the toxic franchise in the tri-state area now the knicks have their own problems i've documented those problems a lot i still believe that those problems exist but make no mistake about it the brooklyn nets will never be more relevant in the tri-state area than the new york knicks
All right, so that's the trade from the net side. There are a couple of rumors. Could the Nets have gotten Chris Paul and Jay Crowder back and a pick for Kyrie Irving? I don't know how serious that is, but it was reported. If the Nets are really serious about winning, like this year, I don't know why they didn't take that. Again, I'm not sure how much on the table that trade really was. But yeah, no, I think the Nets did all right. I really don't think the Nets undersold. I mean, Kyrie Irving is going to be a free agent, and there's no guarantee he's going to sign with the Mavs. Now, let's look about it from the Mavericks side. There's no guarantee Kyrie resigns. You know, Kyrie will have his moments where it will look great with him and Luka, but again, Kyrie's a nutcase, and he is completely undependable. The Mavericks are clearly desperate here. They're clearly desperate. They're on the clock with Luka. This resembles, as I've mentioned before, a lot of the first stint of LeBron James with the Cleveland Cavaliers where they just couldn't find the right pieces to put around him. And I think this is a Hail Mary for the Mavericks. I mean, the Mavericks were 24th in defense this year. So what do they do? They trade their best perimeter defender, somebody who hid Luka on defense, covered up for Luka on defense, and they brought in Kyrie Irving, notable defensive stalwart Kyrie Irving. Yeah, the offense will look great, all right? You're going to get dueling banjos, and the two of them will probably put a bunch of points up on the board between Luka and Kyrie. It, it will be your turn, my turn. It will be disgusting to watch, but you know what? Kyrie has played well off of heliocentric guys before uh, LeBron James back in the day. But defensively, they're going to be a mess. And I just don't see the chemistry working that well because let's just say as great as Luka is, he, he doesn't have that feel for the game that LeBron did at that time. And again, LeBron was later on in his career, so he could figure it out. Luka's only 23 and still figuring it out. You know, there's an eight-year age gap between Kyrie and Luka. And I, I, I think it's just going to be a problem. So the Mavericks ceiling is what? Maybe second round. I think they're going to be out in the first round. I don't think this makes the Mavericks that much better. And it just goes to show you how much they screwed up the Jalen Brunson situation because they could have had him for four years, $55 million, which I know I've said my piece about Jalen Brunson's fit with the Knicks contract-wise and whatever, but that's a bargain. And you saw he played well off of Luka. And when Luka was out, and he's more dependable. He's less of a nutcase. And you didn't have to trade rotation players for him. The Dallas Mavericks, and you know, some people are saying that even if it doesn't work out, the Mavericks will have max cap space this summer. First of all, the free agent class this summer is not particularly good. Second of all, when was the last time the Mavericks ever got a major free agent? They've whiffed in free agency for the better part of 15 years. Which is weird because, you know, Texas, no state income tax. Mark Cuban seems to be a very 
player-friendly owner. I don't know why the Mavericks strike out the way they do. Maybe it's karma for not running back the 2011 championship team. But for whatever reason, the Mavericks don't do well in free agency. So even if Kyrie walks and decides that, eh, I may be ecstatic about joining the Mavericks now, but nah, this isn't for me. I want to do my own thing. Who knows? I mean, he's, he's a crazy person. He's an absolute crazy person. He's about one of the worst teammates in the history of the NBA. I mean, Kevin Durant, his so-called boy, after he said, I'm never going to leave seven, right? Left him in the dust. No problem. Left him in the dust. And I know I clown the Nets on having, you know, guys of all NBA caliber request trades, but you're the Nets, like good riddance, absolutely good riddance. But so for the Mavericks, I just think it's a Hail Mary and I don't think it's going to work. And I know I've mentioned this before, and and obviously this trade does nothing but solidify it, but I, I think Luka's days in Dallas are are kind of numbered here and are on the clock because he's going to get very frustrated. I can tell already he's going to get frustrated, and I just don't think this basketball fits particularly good. I think they're going to be bad defensively, and they're going to be out in the first round. But, you know, Kyrie Irving, the, the best all-around guard, the most skilled guard in the NBA, yeah, he hasn't had a relevant playoff moment since 2016, seven years ago. Crazy. And then the biggest loser of all of this, which also made me laugh, is the Los Angeles Lakers. Because the Lakers were angling for this for months. When they didn't trade Westbrook and the two first-round picks for Buddy Heald and Miles Turner when it was maybe on the table, they were kind of banking on Kyrie's going to go AWOL. He doesn't have a long-term extension. He opted into this contract, so it eventually makes him a free agent. And the Lakers were kind of right. Kyrie did go AWOL. Multiple ways than one. And he demanded a trade. It's just the Lakers were paying the price for trading all their useful stuff for Russell Westbrook, which has been an absolute disaster for the Lakers. The Nets are clearly not tanking, which is why they're not trading Kevin Durant by the trade deadline. They're not. Vegas could say minus 200. I don't buy it. So the Lakers apparently offered the two picks and Russ and maybe young player like Austin Reeves. But if you're the Lakers, right, and you're trying to be somewhat responsible with your assets going forward, knowing that LeBron is 38 years old, knowing that Anthony Davis is incredibly brittle, can't play more than three games in a row. The Lakers being half in, half out in terms of committing to LeBron and just going full send and committing to LeBron and trying to be responsible with their future picks, knowing that when the LeBron James era is over, those picks are going to be ultra valuable because the Lakers odds are will be absolutely terrible. I mean, they are 12th in the West right now, so let's not say that they're particularly great, but it's going to get absolutely grisly. And for all those reasons, 
the Lakers don't end up with Kyrie Irving, which is which for a basketball fit, Kyrie was the best fit potentially with the Lakers. Now, had Kyrie joined the Lakers, that would be the most all-time hateable team in the history of the NBA. And again, it may happen this summer, right? It may happen this summer. There's no guarantee that Kyrie is going to sign long-term in Dallas. But it's just another year of the Lakers missing the playoffs. And it's wonderful. And then you get LeBron James tweeting, maybe it's me being all up in his feels. Well, LeBron James, it is you, all right? Because you traded or forced the trade for Russell Westbrook that has backfired in so many ways. So, so many ways. This is great. The Nets look like jackasses, even though I think they did okay in the trade. The Mavericks are absolutely desperate and seem like they're determined to screw this whole thing up. Kyrie Irving is an absolute nutcase and should never be trusted. I don't understand the Mavericks. If you have Luka Doncic, like, why would you ever go into business with Kyrie Irving? But hey, they seem to have been desperate. And the Lakers, their one path to get significantly better vanishes right in front of their eyes because of the disastrous Russell Westbrook trade. What a moment this was. I enjoyed everything about this moment. Just fantastic. Anyway, with that said, we have a packed show. I know last week's show was short. This one is not going to be short. We're going to have a Super Bowl preview coming up, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the Kyrie Irving trade and the NBA trade deadline. We're going to get to those segments in just a matter of moments. So part one of this week's mega podcast, we are bringing on a recurring guest, a versatile recurring guest. Mr. Avi Wexler is back. Avi, what's good, bud? How we doing? How we going, Hessman? How we doing? We're doing all right. It's uh, it's a packed sports week. I mean, we're recording uh, this segment on a Tuesday afternoon. We are in NBA trade week. Obviously, we're also in Super Bowl week. I, I can't recall the last time they really overlapped like this. Or or was it even last year? I, I don't even remember, but it's just a lot going on this week. Well, did... Do you? I feel like last year's deadline. I feel like it was last year's deadline the stinker. What was the big move that was last year? Like the Celtics well, got no, last, last year was Harden and uh, Ben Simmons. But did that? But didn't that happen pre-deadline? Didn't that? Like the you know how like the deadline sometimes comes up in like a, it's basically like a that two or three week like trade season kind of I don't remember if it happened like on the day of the deadline versus or like the week of the deadline I think it was the week of the deadline yeah it was uh which ended up being a whole lot of nothing which is a great transition into uh you know the first topic that we're going to discuss so obviously uh Kyrie Irving is traded to Dallas with one of the Morris brothers for Spencer Dimwitty a 20 27 second round pick dorian finney smith an unprotected 2029 first round pick and a 2029 second round pick let's start here when you saw the trade what was your initial thought obviously 
we kind of knew something was going to happen after Kyrie demanded a trade on Friday. Mm-hmm. The pending free agent. He, it was clearly a contract issue with him in the Nets. Kyrie's also a crazy person. What, what were your initial thoughts? Um, well, I was, I was initially shocked just because I felt like everybody was talking about how Kyrie was going to go to one of the LA teams, whether it be the Clippers or the Lakers. And maybe that was where I was like more shocked that not that he got traded, but more that he didn't get traded to one of those two teams who definitely could have used him, especially when given the fact that Kyrie is like a pretty ball dominant guard and both of those teams could use one. And then now he's going to go to uh, the most ball dominant player in the league in Luka Doncic. Like I know people complain and you've complained about it too. How Luka is just like a younger version of Harden with his usage right right now. I think he's like around the 40% usage mark. And I was like, okay, so how the hell is Kyrie going to make that work? So I was, I'm more shocked that he didn't go to one of those teams and that, that he went to Dallas, I guess. Um, so that was kind of my initial reaction. Don't really know if I like the trade for the Mavs either. We can get into it, but well, I, hold, I hold that thought, yeah. obviously, because we're going to talk about that. The Lakers and the Clippers. Yeah. The Clippers proposed trade of Luke Kennard, Terrence Mann, a future first round pick. In terms of packages for Kyrie, did you like that one more for the Nets? Or do you like this one more? I like that one more for the Nets. Because I feel like you can Why? Do, Why? I feel like you're more able to package that those pick that that package. Like you know, you know, you can do you can do more with those assets, in my opinion, than what they ended up getting for Kyrie. Only because I feel like Kennard is always going to be able to find his way onto a roster with his three-point shooting ability. I know that lately he hasn't been really shooting well, let alone shooting the three at all, but I feel like that's more circumstantial with the team that he's in and just the the fact that the Clippers are just a really frustrating team to root for because night in, night out, they never have a consistent starting five. So I think that's kind of where he kind of got misplaced a little bit. And I also want that Clippers first more than I want the Dallas first. Cause I, to me, that Clippers first is going to be good, is going to be a higher pick than whatever team or whatever, whatever Dallas's situation is going to be like in the future. So I would, I would kind of want that more. Well, that's actually debatable, right? And because yeah. we're going to talk about the fit with Kyrie uh, in Dallas. And, and mm-hmm. again, this all kind of blends together, but there's a chance. And I, I kind of made this, point of my monologue like there's a chance this blows up because let's face it Kyrie has torpedoed every situation he's been in the last seven years uh, eventually and Luca's on the clock right we're already into his second deal you're on the clock here it was definitely one of the reasons why the Mavericks made this trade because they were kind of stagnant and needed to do something to appease Luca and Kyrie torpedoes the deal Luca wants out, and then all of a sudden that Mavs 2029 pick can look pretty, pretty good. Yeah. No, I mean, look, I, I'll say this. When it comes to, like, superstars, especially European superstars, those players generally stay right. at teams for longer periods of time than, right. than others do. And 
I think Luca kind of taking the mantle from Dirk specifically being in Dallas, I think is more of a, uh, of a, of a standing point where Dallas is saying, Luca, look, we're, we're trying to bring stars to you regardless of how mercurial and frustrating they can be. Like we're trying to build something for you. We don't care about draft picks as much as we care about building stars and building a, a competitive team around you. So I'm not that concerned about Luca leaving Dallas anytime soon. Um, and obviously that can change because we've seen with Kyrie what he does to his teammates, let alone uh, fans and how the league just operates because of him. So I, I think, yes, is it probably, is it probable to say that this Kyrie trade is going to blow up in their face? A hundred percent. It's, it is a hundred percent reasonable to say that because he is the least um, trustworthy guy that you could probably build uh, any type of title contention around of right now, other than like maybe Ben Simmons, I guess, but I wouldn't say you're building around Ben Simmons at this point in his career. The, the, the talent just isn't there. But with Kyrie specifically, you just don't know what you're going to get from him any day, let alone any other hour, right? So, yeah, I, I, it's a, I, I don't like the trade for the Mavs personally. I don't think it does that much for their standing in the West. Um, yes, uh, the West is way more wide open right now. And yes, there's more of an emphasis, in my opinion, on offense in the West than defense. You know, look at the Nuggets, who are the number one team in the West. Yep. Are the Nuggets a great defensive team? I don't think so. They're more offensively paced. Are the Warriors... But they've shown flashes of being sure. a good defensive team sure. recently. Yes, I'd say this. Yes, they all show flashes, right? Like the Warriors, I wouldn't say, are a perennially known defensive team, right? They're more offensive style, more around the three, right? Makes sense. The Grizzlies are the same. The Pelicans, to an extent, are the same. So you need to be able to score points, and that's where Kyrie does help, right? Because Kyrie's ability to score is probably, what, top five in the league, top ten in the league in terms of being just a bucket getter, regardless of where you put him in a spot. The problem is, defensively, you're giving up a lot there. Oh, so you mean that for a team that was ranked 24th in defense – to trade away their best perimeter defender who would allow Luca to hide on defense and bring in notable defensive stopper Kyrie Irving. <laughs> You're telling me that that's going to improve your defense? Yeah, right? But I mean on the on the on the flip side of that argument though, you could say like, well, if they're only 24th, like what's the real difference between 24th and and 30th at that point? You're going to be a bad defensive team regardless. You get rid of your best defensive player. Does it really matter if you're going to be upgrading your starting lineup and your crunch time offense so that it's not just Luca having to have the ball 40% of the time he's on the court, right? Yes, but and, – and to that point, like Kyrie Irving's best years were when he was playing – Second fiddle to LeBron James, right? Yes. LeBron James also a very high usage offensive player, mm -hmm. and and Luca is a tremendously high usage offensive player. But the difference is that I said it in the monologue is like LeBron was older, right? LeBron kind of learned a couple of things here and there in terms of how to get guys involved. And I'm not saying that Luca's not capable because he is. Yeah. He's only 23, though, right? So, like, he still has some stuff to figure out himself, and he's still trying to find his way in the league. And 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 I know, you know, he's incredible already, right? But he's still figuring stuff out. The age gap between 
Kyrie Irving and Luca's eight years. Yeah. That's a lot. Like, we don't realize how young Luca is because he's been awesome for all this time, right? For a long time already. So it, the, the synergy there is, is not great. Will there be nights where I'm sure it's spectacular in terms of the dueling banjos? Sure. But I also don't think the dueling banjos thing is necessarily a formula for success. I also think one guy is going to get frustrated because that's what inevitably happens. And Kyrie is, is as not dependable a human being about anything as there is in the world. Yeah, right? I wouldn't, so like, I wouldn't trust Kyrie to like feed my goldfish. Like I really wouldn't. How can you? How yeah. can you? I mean, look at the amount of games he's played for the Nets. He basically played about 40% of the games that he was employed by the Nets. All right. Kyrie, Kevin Durant, and James Harden played 10 games together. 10. Kyrie Irving. And if you recall, the reason that they only played 10 was because Harden just couldn't stand Kyrie and his BS. That's the other part of it. And guys got hurt. It was just, it's just crazy. First of all, I mean, and we'll, we'll get to the Nets in a second, but just like the culture building Brooklyn Nets who are able to bring all these guys in because of the culture, because of the lack of toxicity in the organization. You know, they were the culture building team in the tri-state area, the new management team. Oh, they only had three guys who have made all NBA teams in the last three years ask out of their building in the last year and a half, but whatever, it's fine. Whatever. It's okay. Um, but yeah, in terms of the Mavericks, I just, you know, obviously he, he's a free agent. There's no guarantee he's going to resign. Um, and yeah, does it maybe make their ceiling higher? Sure. But he also hasn't been a relevant playoff basketball player since 2017. Yeah. He hasn't been good in the playoffs. Like go through his playoff history with the Celtics. He was hurt. Terry Rozier and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown brought them to the Eastern Conference Finals. Right. And in 2019, he openly quit on the Celtics. Completely openly. And the whole thing was like, oh, don't – like they won game one against the Bucs. And then it, and then Kyrie's like, look, like we're going to take care of business, blah, blah, blah. And then they lost just, four straight. Lost four straight. Gave up, gave up in like game three or whatever. It was horrible. All right. Then in 2020, right, he signs with the Nets. He's coming home to the team he wanted to be in quit on them too as we just seen um he didn't even he didn't play in the bubble because of whatever injury kevin durant had was coming off an achilles stare kyrie irving had no excuse all right he just was like i don't, I don't give a crap all right yeah. let's be honest then 2021 he gets he gets hurt in the milwaukee series turns an ankle 2022 he had a great game one. He was terrible every other game in that series. They get swept. So that's now six years of him not being any good in the playoffs. Kyrie Irving is just Steve Francis with a better, more expensive PR team who hit one shot in 2016. Like, let's call a spade a spade. Yeah. I, I 
it's crazy because it, it, you look back at that team and on paper, you're like, how is it possible that this Kyrie, Kevin Durant, James Harden era, quote unquote, only won one playoff series together and they didn't even really all win it together, but they won as many playoff series as constructed as like the Darren Williams, Paul Pierce, KG Nets. It's unbelievable. I, I just, I laugh at it as a Knicks fan because the Nets fans, all 15 of them were bragging about how the, that they were the team in New York to get all these guys and look what happened. It's yeah. just beautiful. So yeah, for Dallas, I mean, you know, there's no guarantee he resigns, and they're saying that even if it's a if it's a flop and he goes elsewhere in free agency, that they have all this cap space. But the free agency crop isn't great this coming summer. And when was Dallas able to land the top tier free agent in the last 15 years? Right. They've yeah. struck out over and over again. So. This just illuminates how they screwed up the Jalen Brunson situation because they could have brought him back, you know, who can give you about 85% of Kyrie Irving's production without but, any of the headaches. Yeah, I was going to say. And no with, assets given yeah, up. Yeah, I was, I was going to say he's like 85% of Kyrie Irving's skill with like 200% of his dependability. Right. So yeah, I don't I don't think this is gonna work for the Mavericks. I think they'll be a first round and out team and you know, a lot of the casual fans are gonna love this because they see the flashy names, but I, I just don't see it. For the Nets, how do you think they did in this? Obviously there was the you know, we talked about the Clippers offer. There was the Lakers offer, right? About Russ, the two picks. There may have been like Austin Reeves involved. Who the hell knows? Then there was that Suns rumor about Chris Paul and Jay Crowder. How do you think the Nets did in this whole thing? I think, I think the Nets made out like bandits, all, all things considered, because we didn't even know like three or four months ago if Kyrie Irving is ever going to play basketball again. So the fact that you actually were able to get him to A, come into the building, and B, show up to work and actually kind of – help them tread water while KD's been out for a little bit and, you know, keep his mouth shut. And then not only that, able to flip that for a couple of future firsts. They've actually now made their, in my opinion, they've made their defense better because Kyrie's yep. gone and they've, they've slid in better rotational pieces around KD, who's proven that he doesn't need another scorer. He just kind of needs some more defensive support around him. And then since the trade's gone down, Cam Thomas has scored like, Almost 100 points in the last 91 points in two games. So, I mean, Crazy. the offense, the, there is, there is, there are spots where Kyrie's points are going to come and you're going to get better defense around you and less of a headache. So, I, I think they actually made out like bandits from that regard. And I don't know if there's anything that's actually written in paper saying that they're done trading. Like they could still be. No, in. they're, they're going to be very active. They're right? looking at the friend Van Bleet. They're looking yeah. into Siakam. Yeah. They're, they're, they're active. I was going to say there were all these rumors about Durant going to Toronto, but why not just bring Toronto to Durant at that point? If Toronto's going to blow it up, then you could, I could definitely see them get, they don't need OG Ananobi, but you know, Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Bleet right there with, and maybe do the pick swaps that you just got from the Kyrie trade move some guys around, send Dinwiddie up there, which I think you can still do. Yes. Uh, right? So why not just, you could do that. And then look at that. Your team is right back in contention, if not in a better place. So I, I think that the Nets actually 
did the right thing because they actually got value out of getting rid of Kyrie. The, I know I just talked about the egg on the face for the Nets and them being the culture builders that bring stars in, but a, as a basketball um, you know, fit, I think they did well and then some. I agree with you. I think they got rotational pieces that are going to help them. You know, Dorian Finney-Smith has hit over 40% from three in the playoffs the last couple of years. Like, he's going to be a fit. Dimwitty is a good ball handler, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he actually has been pretty good for the Mavericks. Yeah. Is Could he be 65% of Kyrie? Yeah, I think yeah. he could. And, you know, when supported with Durant and Finney-Smith and these guys, like Nick Claxton has come on. Mm-hmm. It's just the, the craziest thing about this whole Kyrie situation was that before Durant got hurt, they were 18-2 and two in 20 games before he got hurt. And then, you know, you think he's going to be seeing Kumbaya because he wants the contract, right? And he's like, I'm not going to leave seven. I'm not going to leave seven, right? And then it's just like you thought the bullshit for the Nets was done. And then the, the other shoe drops. And it's just like, it's I just also, incredible, this fucking guy. I also I also saw that, I think I think there was a report out there that the Nets actually did offer him the four-year $200 million deal, and he turned it down. Well, because it was incentive-laden because, you know, they wanted him to actually play basketball games. Right. I crazy. know it's a crazy concept, right? Crazy concept. You're being paid to play basketball, so... For somebody who has not been dependable in playing basketball, we're going to add incentives to the contract to protect ourselves so that if he doesn't play basketball, we're not screwed. I feel like crazy. I feel like it's so funny because Kyrie, it, it really is like the basketball equivalent of Aaron Rodgers where he does some incredibly skilled stuff, but he just seems like he hates that he's actually this good at the thing that he is one of the best people ever in the world at doing and he's always trying to like be more like poetic and uh scholarly and academic about other things as if because he's good at this one sport that he's therefore is like an authority on all these other figures and then he'll come up with like remember when Kyrie I think it was either last year two years ago was saying we should just create our own basketball league it's like man they already have other basketball leagues out there you're not you can't reinvent the wheel what are you going to go do from five on five instead of to the the three on three big three league? What are you going to do four on four? Like you can't do like what are you going to what are you going to make it to? Like he's, yeah, he's, let let let's see how far these smarts go when you actually have to build an infrastructure and all the legalities. But yeah, sure. He also thought that he was going to be a partner with the Nets. You know, me, Sean Marks, Steve, and Kevin. We're going to dictate the franchise and direction. Well, they knifed Steve Nash in the back. He then wanted Jock Vaughn to be the coach. Jock Vaughn was being a good job doing a good job for the Nets, all things considered. Knifed him in the back. It's just this guy is is such a cancer. That and and the funniest thing is is that you see some Mavericks fans are just like, oh, our culture's different. We got Mark Cuban. You know, we're going to be able to handle it. Like, they're doing the same thing that every other fan base has done when it comes to Kyrie, and they should just expect it to go poorly. Yeah, it's unbelievable that every team, every it's like that meme where you have, like, the Grim Reaper knocking on the door of, like, all, like, the other teams. It's the same thing. It's like, oh, we'll make him better. Oh, he'll fit in our culture. No, it won't. Why? Because... Because Nico Harrison used to work at Nike and Kyrie used to be a Nike athlete and 
and Kyrie used to be a huge fan of Jason Kidd. Yeah, yeah, okay, sure. I'm sure we can make all these nice little connections for that honeymoon puff piece on the trade that goes on the athletic or whatever, and then it's all sunshine and rainbows. They'll have, like, one game where Kyrie and Luka combine for, like, 85 points and some awesome OT win. But then, you know, it's like game three of the first round and they're getting blown out and then all the mumblings start coming out that, you know, Kyrie actually hasn't been going to the shootarouts. You know, oh, Kyrie actually has been trying to call his own defensive sets. And you're like, where is this coming from? You know, and that's the, just the, what it is. It's rinse repeat. Yeah. The biggest, the biggest disaster for the Mavericks, I know we're going on a little bit of a tangent, but the biggest disaster for the Mavericks would be them winning a tough first round series they lose in the second round. You know, Kyrie has like one big game, makes a big shot, right? And then all of a sudden they sign him to the four-year max guaranteed. I think they can only actually extend him like two two or three years or something like that. I can't – I don't think they can give him the full boat because of whatever. But, yeah. And then year – you know, in first year into the contract, second year into the contract, he torpedoes them. And then it's just like, oh, it's just – it's just ridiculous. And the fact that Ryan Russell brought this up on his podcast is that he got a $2 million trade bonus because he demanded a trade, but because the Nets traded him, he has to get another $2 million. It's just, it's just absurd. It's Ass just absurd. Ass clownery. That's what yeah. I call it. Ridiculous. The, the NBA needs to – I know the collective bargaining agreement has been delayed – you know, the negotiations just to ride this out so they have more time to negotiate. But, like, they need to figure some shit out collectively because we can't and – and maybe it's just Kyrie is, is a nutcase, like, and that he's unique. But, like, we got to put an end to this buffoonery. Yeah. But anyway, the net, back to the Nets. So the one thing that would have interested me for the Nets was if this Phoenix deal was really legit, and the Nets are clearly still going for it. Like, wouldn't you rather Chris Paul and Jay Crowder with Kevin Durant if you're still trying to win? Because I still think that, like, that's a good – that's a better deal for them if they're trying to win. Only only if you're then convinced that for some reason that this would then be the year that Chris Paul doesn't fall flat or become hurt in the playoffs. And I've seen enough Jay Crowder from watching him on the Celtics, watching him kind of throughout the league where – He's kind of like a solid rotational piece, but he's not, but he's almost like a fake Morris brother tough guy where you're like, all right, you say you're about it, but you're not really about it. And I can't really rely on him for any like real shot making when it comes down to wire. Like, I feel like when you see him on a good team, he's kind of the ball stopper who then takes that shot. And you're like, oh, I didn't want you to take the shot when there was one more skip pass you could have made. For the better shooter, you know, and with like three minutes left in like a in a tight fourth quarter game, it's just like, did you have to? You have it's to, like, like did it's, you the, it's the Marcus Smart itis. It's like Marcus yeah. Smart has a lot of that in him too. It's just like, right. would you not? Just like yeah. not right now, please. Yeah. So yeah, no, I, I think the net Nets, all things considered, did well. Um, I, I don't think they're done. I think they still have some flexibility, and we'll get to some of the other teams that they may do uh, business with uh, in a little bit. But, like, I think they're going to be just as good, if not, you know, maybe slightly better or slightly more dangerous in the playoffs now than they were 
before this. Yeah, and, and I, I, I don't, and I'm curious what you think about what they do with KD. I, I don't think that they're in any rush to trade him. I think if anything, zero rush, right? zero rush. Why? Right? Why should they have to trade him? Exactly. He, you basically, you basically stared down his trade offer over the summer because he has no power over you based on the extension that he has. So Through, hold point, on one second. Three years left after this year, exactly. With no opt-out clauses no opt-out clauses yeah exactly so why so why honor a trade request now when you could see how your team actually looks yeah out of the building and you can kind of do like a little internal reset so i would at least hold on to him maybe revisit it down the line seeing how his uh how his knee heals up and how they come back down the stretch because as it stands right now there's still going to be a playoff team that's going to actually be probably better defensively and has some spots where they can maybe even improve offensively where, you know, they actually can like win a playoff series. So I, I don't think they need to trade Durant at all. So I don't, the rumors that, Oh, the Suns with the new owner Ishbia is coming in that they've been looking at Durant. I don't really see it there. So I, I just, well, want, what, asset, what assets do the Suns have to trade? Well, I, I would say DeAndre, well, I, I, DeAndre I, Ayton has been de- a depreciating asset. He's been, Agreed. he's been disappointing. And plus Nick Claxton is there. They like Nick yep. Claxton. Yep. Is the is the poo poo platter of, you know, Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, and all the picks in the world enough for Kevin Durant, who's you know, yeah, I I give him shit because he signed with the wrong team a couple of years ago, but he's been a top six player in the NBA this year when healthy. Yeah. Like, is that enough? No, I don't no. think so. It, no, it it just seems to me that like, you know, Vegas tweeted out something yesterday that the odds of Kevin Durant being moved before the deadline were like minus 200. And I was just like, they have no reason to do this. There will be more suitors in the off season. And why not just ride it out? It makes no sense to me. I'm fully with you. Yeah. Like I I looked up on like the, on the trade machine and right now, like not including picks, obviously it's like what you could do is bridges, Crowder, Landry, Shamit and campaign. I don't know. Like, yeah. So basically Basically, you're doing like the and then you know, what? Then you do a boatload of picks. Obviously, that's the only way the Nets say yes. So even if it becomes like the equivalent of like the Donovan Mitchell or Rudy Gobert trade, where the Nets do a complete reset, I still don't really think it's worth it because you don't know what those picks are going to be like down the line. And will any of those players turn out to be what Laurie Markkinen turned out to be this year? Not likely. Yeah, I mean Bridges is like the only is the only shot. But even then, I, I, Bridges at this point to me is like a better version of Tobias Harris, I guess, you know? And again, like, that was for Donovan Mitchell, who, again, I exactly. love, yes. who's a top 15 player in the league. But yeah. there's still a gap between him and Kevin Durant. It, crazy, absolutely crazy. People were telling me, like, they ha- they're going to trade Durant now. I was, like, I was like, you guys don't seem to get it. I was like, there's no way. He's got three years guaranteed left with no opt-outs. And then, of course... Woj comes out today. It's like the Nets are not looking to trade Kevin Durant before the uh, the trade deadline, before right. Thursday. I was like, oh, oh, see, I, I, I mean, like these WhatsApp groups. I was like, I told you, yeah, like I always do. I told you, but okay. So anyway, so that's a lot about the uh, the Kyrie trade. Good riddance, Kyrie from the tri-state area. He is the absolute worst. All right, so. I know we ran a little long there, but I wanted you to, now that that trade is in the rearview mirror, 
I wanted to go through the three most interesting teams to you, and we'll alternate teams uh, going into the deadline and and why. So, who's your first pick? Uh, it's going to be Toronto for me, the the Raptors. I, I think a lot of teams are circled, uh, or a lot of people are probably circling them on the radar because it seems that it's coming to a head that the team is going to blow it up. Uh, I think at this point, the question is who are they going to keep and build and who are they going to trade away? I think at this point, it seems like it doesn't make sense for me to hold on to Siakam, who's like in like the prime of his career, and guys like Fred Van Vliet and OG Ananobi. Those guys are all very easily tradable assets, not only, especially in the market right now. So I think it's going to be them. The question is, are they going to be packaged together? Who are they going to be going for? And can they get a pick that potentially falls in the Wembenyama sweepstakes? What I find crazy about Toronto, they were my number one team as well, because we actually just, we referenced them in terms of them dealing with the Nets potentially uh, for Van Vliet. OG, Siakam, like all those guys could be good fits with the Nets. Uh, I mean, Van Vliet, I'm not sure how much value he's really going to have because he's also a pending free agent. And like the shooting is just tailed off, but he's like a playoff guy. Like I think That's what I'm saying, yeah. Like he like I would still target him. He's not that old. Uh, I think a change of scenery would just be great. And and it's funny like a team that all these guys are wanted around the league, but meanwhile, they're 25 and 30. It just goes to show you that sometimes the mix matters. Like it's not, you know, it's it's not the parts themselves, but it's the sum of the parts. Uh, yeah, they were my number one team as well. I, I think I think OG and I think that Van Vliet will probably be on the move. I think Siakam will probably stay. Uh, when I heard the Knicks rumors trading three first round picks and, you know, for OG Ananobi, I, I lost my mind in last week's episode. I, he, he's a good third option, but like, what are you trading three first round picks for a third option? If you're not anywhere close, I think, yeah, I, I think that's, I think that's the Raptors internally, like trying to leak some crap just to drive up the price a little bit just by throwing the Knicks in there. You know, I, I think that's what it is more than anything else. Cause what is, what does Ananobi do for you? That's going to like vault you above where you are now. Great. So he can be a third, a, a third option on a team full of third and fourth and fifth options. I, exactly. I, I just, I, I lost my mind. I lost yeah. my mind. Cause a friendly reminder that the Knicks could have traded those picks for Donovan Mitchell uh, in the off season, but they decided not to do that. Um, okay, so Toronto was my number one, so I'll go to my, my second. And it kind of bleeds into uh, Toronto, because I think Toronto is like the link to a lot of this. That's the Memphis Grizzlies. Mm -hmm. They've been atop the Western Conference standings for a while, but they have hit the skids. They've lost, I think, 9 of 10. They're really struggling right now. And... They just need one more guy. It's a young team that just needs to maybe consolidate some pieces. And I know that they traditionally don't like to make trades. They don't like to give up on young assets. Um, but they may make sense for OG Ananobi. So you, you know, okay. interesting. 
give up a couple of young players, a couple of young players. It's not going to be Bain. It's not going to be Jackson. It's not going to be Durant. But if they were to give up the picks for OG and like, you know, and one or two young players, that to me is something that would make sense. Or if they, you know, got really crazy. And again, we just talked about how Durant's not going to be traded before the trade deadline. But if they were like, all right, we'll give you Jaron Jackson or Desmond Bain plus picks, call it in. Like, again, I don't think this is going to happen, but like, I think the Nets would at least think about it. Well, I don't understand why. Wait, do you really think that Jaron Jackson is not as good as OG? Because I would take Jackson over OG any day. No, I'm saying, no, Jackson would only go in a trade for Durant. Yes, yes, exactly. All okay. right, so for OG, it would be, it would be um, um, forgetting the guy's name, that they, they drafted 10th overall, um, went to Sierra Canyon. Um, I'm, I'm forgetting what the hell the guy's name is. I'll look it up in a second. But mm-hmm. something like that, two firsts and, a sw- and, a sw- and two swaps, sure. something along those lines. And just, you know, I, I think they just need to beef up something. Yeah, that I, yeah, I, that's interesting that you picked them. I, I feel like if you're gonna send if you're gonna send a guy from the Raptors to Memphis, I feel like you'd actually want to send a guy like Van Vliet because and you would you would mention Rasillo on uh, on Simmons's podcast the other day, but it just seems like the kind of like the the crunch time offense for the for the Grizzlies is okay, Jaw, go do something awesome, and that's kind of it. And like teams are starting to pick up on it, and. Yes, it does work, and when it works, it's really cool, but it just kind of feels like, okay, Jaw's just going to drive, and he's going to do some crazy layup or pass, but like, I feel like you kind of want that that Van Vliet guy just to also kind of help that veteran presence kind of help run an offensive set when you need it most, and he's not a terrible defender for kind of what they want. Like, I'd rather Van Vliet in there than Tyus Jones for some important crunch time minutes. Yeah, and I guess you can do the three guard thing with Bain because Bain is going to have to be out there in crunch time because he's awesome. Yes. Um. So I could see that fit. I would probably assume that they were going to go wing with it or or forward just because of the positional depth of where they are, and I think okay. they need a three more than anything else. And and it's also to get rid of Dylan Brooks at all costs at this point because he's not only is his shot selection questionable, but like. He's just a, he's just causing them more problems than he needs. So that's uh, that's his, mor- his morals are more questionable than his shot selection. Is that what you're saying? Uh, <laughs> his shot selection is pretty bad. Um, but yeah, I think they they're definitely in need of a shakeup because as good as they are right now, and yeah, they'll turn it around. I just think that they need to shake something up. I'm gonna send you a secondary zoom, and we're gonna do it that way because we're under a minute. So hold on. Okay, so Avi. Your second most interesting team in, I should say, going into Thursday's deadline this week is. I actually, I, I was going to say it's going to actually be the the Pelicans who are in a very similar spot as the Grizzlies, not in terms of standings, but last ten games they've also been two and eight. They've had a bunch of injury issues, and right now they're the ninth seed, but they have so many good pieces around them that are locked in. You got Zion, CJ, guys like Herb Jones. You got Ingram. You got a really good team with a lot of good assets that have been left over from that AD trade. So why not push your chips in here and go and get OG Ananobi or a Pascal Siakum or uh, I guess those would be the top two. I wouldn't really. Wouldn't, I don't know if Van Vliet actually works for them as well. Um, 
I don't know where you would land on that, but I just like, I, I was just looking through, I was trying to crunch a trade up and I found like Jackson Hayes, Dyson Daniels and, and uh, Murphy plus a boatload of picks for OG. And that works out, you know, I, it's interesting. I, I kind of don't think that they need wing depth. Cause like, I like Herb Jones. I think Dyson Daniels already as a, as a rookie in terms of a wing defender and as a player, like is ahead of the curve, especially on defense, right? Obviously the offense is, it's going to take him a little bit longer, but defensively, like he's already shown flashes and, mm-hmm. and rookies don't really show flashes like that. I think to me, they need a table setter. Okay. They need a table setter in a sense where CJ is not a natural table setter. Yeah. Zion. Point Zion's great, but Point Zion is a lot of Zion just attacking from, you know, from the get-go. And everybody's standing around watching Zion. He'll just get them open threes, right? Mm -hmm. Ingram, not a table setter. As great a story as Jose Alvarado's been, like, is that the guy that you really want running, you know, running things? I I just, I think enough of Herb Jones. I think enough of Dyson Daniels. I think enough of Trey Murphy, who's really good. Um, I just think an upgrade at those positions isn't as essential as them finding somebody to get guys open and, and set the table so much. So to me, they're interesting too, but like, who's that guy? Is Fred Van Vliet that guy? I don't think so. I don't think I'm it's not sure. I'm not yeah. sure. It would, it would be nice because he's capable and he's capable of setting the table with actually also playing off the ball. But like, I'm not sure that's it. Mm-hmm. And what I find interesting about, the Pelicans is ultimately, I think they're going to have to come to the realization that the Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson thing, it's just, they step on each other's toes too much. And one of them is going to have to go. And obviously you're going to pick Zion over Brandon Ingram. I know the health scares for Zion are real. I mean, it's not like Ingram's been the healthiest guy recently, but I just think, that, you know, Brandon Ingram didn't like standing around watching Zion Williamson do his thing. And Ingram showed enough last playoffs where he, if he's like a folk, a real focal point that you can do some things in the playoffs. I just, I, I think they're going to have to break those two up eventually. Yeah. I, I, it would be awesome for me as like a, just as a, as a fan to see Chris Paul actually go back to new Orleans, but there's no chance that happens in this in this market because the trade salary wise to make it match up. I don't know what, like if you're, if you're, if you're the Pelicans, like are you really going to give up so much of your, so many of your like valuable like players for Chris Paul, who's aged and, you know, is yeah. very expensive and you're not going to give up Brandon Ingram for him straight up either. Cause that doesn't seem like you're getting enough value there. Yeah. Even if it does provide you with that guy who can set up other guys in the offense and do what Chris Paul does really well. That's yeah. like the one place, but it doesn't seem like either team would trade with each other, given the fact that they're comp- that they're competing for those top spots in the West. And there's bad blood after last playoff series, 
But no, it's yeah. funny you say that about the Chris Paul contract. It's actually not as bad because a lot of it after I think like next year isn't guaranteed. So it's it's interesting there. But uh, yeah, New Orleans, I, I think, is primed to make a move. I just don't know who that person is for them. Yeah, that's the thing. I, and I, I mean, like, once again, like, if if they could somehow package up something for Durant, like whether, like, if they did Ingram plus picks for Durant, I actually think that's a pretty fair swap for both teams. Yes, because yes. That is a scenario where the Nets can do a bit of a reset with a really good core, but also Durant then is going to a really good competitive team that has all these other pieces around him. And that, that would be a really fun trade. And I think it would actually help out both teams for what they're trying to accomplish this year and down the road. I just don't think it ends up happening. I, I think Katie is too valuable for that type of trade. So my second team, because again, I, I we both agree on New Orleans, but I'm not sure who the guy is for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, my second team is the Golden State Warriors. Okay. There's a lot of smoke around the Golden State Warriors. You had the article about Bob Myers mm-hmm. and the contract extension, which puts things into question their future. And that is obviously, you know, affects this season because is is he going to do something, you know, in the future that would, you know, set the Warriors back, you know, and say, you know, fuck it, I'm out. I want a new, uh, I want a new um, challenge. I, I don't see that being the scenario, but they're all, but more importantly is, you know, Steph Curry is going to be out a month with this, this leg injury and they're hovering right now. You know, at the time of recording, they are right now 28 and 26. Clay just had a monster night last night where he had 12 threes, which is, you know, one of those vintage Clay moments. And it's looked better, but it hasn't looked as good as you think it would look. And again, he's 32, I think, coming off of a lot of injuries. And maybe that's just the phase of his career right now. And, you know, he's being paid to be a number two guy. But unfortunately, that's just not the situation. And what are they going to do with the James Wiseman thing? Because he's the number two overall pick. I know he's still in his rookie contract, but it's still a big number being the number two overall pick. He, It's clearly not working there. It's clearly not working there, and they don't necessarily have the time if they're trying to maximize this window. Um, the tax bill for them is coming. And, you know, Joe Lacob is not worried about a tax bill, but he also wants to, you know, a contender who's really in the mix if he's going to justify paying the tax bill, which is understandable, right? And it's time to cash in that chip. And how are they going to do it? And how, you know, much pride are they going to have to swallow about James Wiseman um, being the number two overall pick that just didn't, pan out the way they wanted and i'm not i'm not saying that like james wiseman is is done as a you know potentially being a good player he's so raw like he's only played like under 60 games in his career which Mm -hmm. is crazy but it's not gonna happen in golden state and it's not gonna happen this year and if they're gonna try and avoid you know being like the 10th or 11th seed when Steph gets back, like they're going to need another body in there. And 
and what are they willing to trade? You know, what are they willing to trade for? I should say using the Wiseman Moody pieces. Cause I think Kaminga's done enough that they want to keep him around and he showed flashes enough, but, but again, what could those guys even get you? Like mm-hmm. who knows? Mm-hmm. So I, I think they're going to be interesting. Yeah. I, it, yeah. You have to wonder about that team just because the health factors for guys like Steph and Clay are always going to be a question as they get up there. And they're kind of stuck with what they're, they, they don't really have a lot of assets either. They're going to have to be in a buying mode with pick swaps down the line, right? That's just kind of what it's going to come down to because yeah. you can't really, you can't trade pool. Draymond, he's one of those guys where it's like, he's more valuable to us than he is to you. Yeah. And, and I don't know if his market is really that great outside of a few teams. Yeah. And the then, Draymond thing will have to take care of itself in the off season. They're not yeah. going to be able to do it now. Yeah. And, and I, yeah, I just, it, you know, we, when Wiseman got drafted or when, when the Warriors, when the Warriors had that year where they ended up getting the pick and it was like, Hey, I guess it's between Wiseman and ball. You don't really know what you're going to get here. Like it doesn't really fit, but you kind of have, it's like one of those things in, the, in football where it's like, you got to pick the best player available. And I think at the time it was like, well, Wiseman at this point is like the best player available. So they kind of got forced into that pick because no one else really wanted to take him. It sucks because you want there to be, you know, good, good first round picks, especially when they're good lottery picks. And I think that his best basketball is going to be ahead of him. It's just not in a Warriors uniform. They just don't play yeah. a style where he's there. If he was on another team where like, it was like the thunder where it was like young guy build around him, just get him minutes and get him out there. You could actually find out what his actual value is. But right yeah. now he feels like a guy who got picked wrong place, wrong time. And it's unfortunate. So yeah, I, definitely a scary team to worry about because the warriors can do this again, where, you know, if they just hang around just enough by the time Curry gets back, they can just make another playoff run. The question is right now, I think they're like, in like the nine seed range right now, like they're creeping into that. Yeah, like- right now they're seven. Right yeah, now they're seven. seven. But, you know, with Curry missing a month, Poole's going to have to go crazy yeah. to keep them afloat. And Clay is going to have to continue to do Clay stuff. You know, Draymond, all things considered, ever since he punched Poole, like is actually finding his footing. Like he's, he's sure. been pretty good for them this year, all things considered. But – they need to cash in that chip. You know, it's it's the right salary right now. It's He's still young enough and enticing enough where he can get a body. But, like, the return for him, they're going to have to take a loss, right? It's like when you it's like when you buy certain stocks, they go down. You get to a point where you're just like, all right, I'm just willing to take a loss here and recoup some of my value. I think that's what they're going to have to do. Yeah. I, I just don't know what his value is right now. And I also, I'm not really sure what, like what do the Warriors need that's available on the market right now? They need veterans that can help them. Just veterans that know how to play. Yeah. That's what they need. They just yeah. need competent guys. That's yeah. what they need. Yeah. I guess the problem is you're just not, it, you're really like, you're really selling low on Wiseman. And at that point, you know, I guess. But what are you going to do? What, what are you going to do? do? You have this window over here. Yeah. Like, it's very finite, especially with, you know, Draymond's contract situation and Clay's yeah. contract and the whole thing. Like, it's a finite window. Yeah. If Steph Curry 
Like, I know you got the cherry on top title last year, but like, you still have Steph Curry. Like, you got to go for it. You got to go for it. Yeah, totally with you there. All right, that's fair. So, who's your third team? My third team is actually the Bulls. I, uh, I, I don't know. The Bulls are at that really weird inflection point where it's like, all right, we're not a top four or five team in the East, but we're also kind of a play-in team, but like could win a playoff series. And we're not bad enough to tank for Wembenyama or Scoot Henderson. They have guys like Levine who signed through 2026. You have DeRozan who's 33. And while he's having a down year compared to last year, he's still like a good asset to have and a good guy you kind of want in your core. Vucevic, I think, is at the end of his deal right now. So he's kind of a... So he's kind of available on the market, but you don't really know what you can get. Like how many teams are looking for an offensive first defensive deficient big worth that much money? I don't know, but I feel like I I don't think anybody. Yeah, right. Exactly. So I, I don't really know what they can do, but I I feel like kind of based now the East is shaken up right now. I feel like you kind of want to not sell the farm, even though a lot of people have been saying that they should, I feel like you kind of want to hold on to your pieces here and, and, just kind of stick with what you have. I, I know it hurts that they haven't had Lonzo and that Caruso has also been often injured. I just don't think it's worth trading away guys right now. You might, you might just kind of want to see what your team is looking like in March and April before you uh, go into the off season. But why not try to, why not trade Caruso to the Warriors for Wiseman for, for something like that? Why not? I mean, look, that's not, I, I don't think, I don't think that's crazy. I don't think that's selling the farm. I, I think if you're going to trade, trade to try to make, to trade as if you are trying to make the playoffs. Don't trade as if you're trying to start from square one again. So yeah, if, if that's a trade on the table and maybe you can get a pick or two or something else valuable, I don't know if, if Moses Moody actually has any real value, but if you can get him in there, I don't think Caruso is that great. I think Caruso is like, oh, he was the bald, funny looking guy in the Lakers who could dunk. And that's where his real value is. I think he's like a fine player, but like, you know. His on-off numbers are great. He's I know. A great I, that. I just like, I'm not, I, I don't look at the Bulls with Caruso on the team being like, oh, watch out for Caruso. Like Caruso's not making the Bulls a contender, nor is he making the Warriors a contender just by him being there. What he's doing is just being a good, solid rotational piece, which is fine. But like, you know. But you that's need- what the Warriors need, as we just said. They need adults. He's an adult. Right. Yeah, he he's an adult. Play winning basketball. Yeah, I just don't trust him in crunch time. I guess that's kind of where I'm at. So I like, yeah, like make make it work out, and you know, you get some insurance for Vucevic if you can get Wiseman in there. Maybe just see what you have with him. But yeah, I, the Bulls are in a weird spot. I kind of am interested to see where they go because I I think if I were them, I would hold on to my my bigger pieces and wait for the off season and then try to trade and compete. Don't sell the farm right now. There's a real case to be made for trading Zach Levine now. 100%. Um, with the with the contract that he's due, the knee issues, uh, I think the Lakers would be, you know, would be willing to throw in the full boat for Zach Levine. And Zach Levine, like, you know, you know he started off slow, but, like, the shooting numbers have gotten a lot better. Like, he's found his, his form – um, you know, the knee issues scare you and that number scares you. But I, I think that ah, the Bulls, man, I, I don't know what they do. Like I, they either have to just they just need to commit to something. 
right? Whatever that is. And I'm not sure committing to trying to win is going to benefit them this year. It may next year. Again, I'm not 100% sure what their cap number looks like or what their cap sheet looks like after this season. But I I, I kind of would like them to just go full teardown, trade DeRozan, trade Levine, and then just start over. I think it would be fun for the rest of the league if they do that. But I think it's like if you're running the Bulls right now, I don't see the point. I just don't think that Levine's value is high enough right now to sell where if you hold on to into the offseason and see where it goes from there, you might you're probably gonna get the same value, if not better, just seeing on how the rest of the season plays out. But I'm with you on that. You can uh, you should trade Levine, but only if you're blown away by like an OG Ananobi offer, which I don't think you're gonna get right now. But you could be getting that in the summer. So they're interesting. My last team, I'm kind of doing a, an on-the-fly uh, audible here, is Oklahoma City. Okay. A lot of people are talking about the Blazers, but Oklahoma City right now is a game out of the play-in tournament. They have one of the 10 best players in the league right now in SGA. They have a tremendous amount of picks. Mm-hmm. why not for them, especially given the fact that they have all these picks, they have Chet Holmgren coming back next season, right? Who's essentially going to be like your lottery pick this year. Sure. Why not go for it? Get the playoff reps. Why not go for it? Trade the picks for OG Ananobi, who is young and still fits the timetable. Like just go all in, right? On a guy, just get a guy, get into the play-in tournament, you get, you know, valuable uh, experience for, you know, like Jalen Williams, um, Mm -hmm. SGA can still use a couple of, you know, playoff reps, and it shows SGA you're serious about winning again, and you're not just like rolling everything over, rolling it over, like Oklahoma City, Pony up picks, go after a dude, and try and make the play-in tournament. I'm not yeah. normally one who says, like, you should be striving for the play-in tournament. But for them, I think it's smart. Yeah, I, I don't hate that. Especially if, like, looking at the team right now, the only salary that, like, really kind of matches up with OG is, uh, is Lou Dort, which I think is actually probably – I like okay. Lou Dort. I have a soft spot for Lou Dort. I, it, I do too. I, I do too. But I think like if, if you're going to have to – if you're going to trade him for OG, what you're getting out of that is actually pretty good for OKC. And if you pair, package – sorry, if you package that with a guy like Trey Mann, who actually isn't that bad. Or no, he's not bad. Joe, like you get young guys and, you, and you're sending them back. But I think that actually is good in terms of getting the minutes spread out because a starting five that has like Giddy, SGA – Chet, we're talking next year. Chet and um, and OG is a really good way, like to start a starting five. That's a real team. Yeah, that's a real team. That if they do other things in the off season, like the Thunder are building something where you could potentially have them be a top four or five seed in the West next year. Yeah, why not start the process now? Yeah, why they not do be, it now? They could be Memphis for all. Like you know, they yeah. could be the team. If they get OG, they could be the team that becomes what Memphis was last year and actually make a bit of a run and that is maybe a year or two away but has the pieces around them with the budding point guard who is, you know, 
actually in the conversation for being one of the top, as you said, 10 players in the league. I just, I would love to see them go do it. You know, and again, I kind of poo-pooed OG Ananobi as a player as being a third option. For the Knicks, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But for Memphis, it would make sense. And for Oklahoma City, it would make a lot of sense. Yeah, it like, would. That's what they need. Yeah. That's what they need. Like, just go get me a guy who I know can play NBA basketball at a high level. Who cares about the picks? They have like 17,000 picks. At a certain yeah. point, you're going to have to cash them in. And they're close enough now with a guy in the prime of his career who's 24 years old who I can't imagine isn't frustrated with the fact that they haven't been competitive. They're actually competitive this year, you know, and he's playing a lot. You owe it to him almost to try and make the play-in tournament and just try and get some playoff reps. I agree. Totally agree. And it's fun. Like when, and when the Thunder are good, it's fun. I, I mean, it's been like a decade basically since, since the Thunder were this fun, really energetic team that had Harden and KD and SGA, but you know, or Harden, KD, and and Russ, but it would be fun if you kind of had the new version of of OG, uh, SGA, and Chet. You know, I'm not saying that those three will ever amount to how good the original Thunder three were, but I mean, it's fun when you have a good young core in Oklahoma City for the West, but also just for the NBA. All right, we'll let you go on this because we've run pretty long so far on our trade deadline analysis, and it's been excellent. Um, one bold prediction. Before Thursday, Before what is Thursday, it? It's going to come back to OG Ananobi, who's just been the topic of, of the whole pod. But I actually think it's going to be the Nuggets who trade KCP and Jeff Green or and or Bones Highland, plus a boatload of picks for OG. Because I think that they're looking around at the West. They're the one seed. The one thing that they need most, I'd say, is consistent defense especially at the wing position and you're not really getting that out of Michael Porter Jr. you're not really getting that out of Aaron Gordon Bruce Brown is nice but I can't rely on him full over the course of like a three to four playoff series stretch and you don't really need Bones Highland anymore but you do need defense in the rest of the west right now is basically gunning up in an arms race trying to get OG so why not stop everybody else from getting him and get him yourself and Let me ask you a question. Team. If you're the Nuggets, wouldn't you rather trade Michael Porter Jr. at that than KCP? Yeah, uh, yeah. Mm, I I feel like I'd rather I'd rather Michael Porter Jr. because on a given night he could just give me 25, and KCP is, you know, three years. KCP, left on yeah, but KCP is on a good contract and yes. he plays defense and he doesn't have back problems. Yeah, that's fine. I, I'd rather I'd rather hold on to Porter Jr. just in case. If you can't, if you can stomach it, like if it's like, no, give us MPJ, that's fine. But I don't know. I'm just looking, like looking at how the salaries kind of match up and whether or not Toronto would do it if they can get the pick swaps in there, which I assume they would do. Why not? And then you can always flip if, and then if you're them, then you have another tradable asset in KCP and like a fun ish point guard in Bones Highlander. You can also hold on to a trade. My bold prediction, and again, this is really out there. I, I don't think it's going to happen but I kind of want it to happen is I think Trey Young is going to get traded so my bold prediction is Trey Young is traded by Thursday okay is there a 10% chance of it happening yes yes but that's my prediction I don't even know where like I'm looking around the league at who would want a, a point guard like Trey Young but like okay here it is Trey Young gets dealt 
to San Antonio for like like Devin Vassell, a couple of picks, and and something. I don't know. Crazy. I, I just think the writing is on the wall with Trey Young in Atlanta. There's yeah, been yeah. a lot of smoke. Where there's smoke, there's fire. I don't think he's particularly liked by a lot of people in the organization. I think he rubs a lot of people the wrong way. And DeJounte Murray is young enough and good enough that he could be a building block. And I think it's just they cut bait. And somehow, some way, a team bowls them over with an offer. I don't even know who that team would be. But Trey Young gets moved by Thursday. I mean, it could be one of those L.A. teams that missed out on Kyrie that need a point guard. You know, why not? <laughs> I don't know what the teams are that you're looking at, but yeah, I'd say, I, I would say that's Well, the not difference is, is that, I mean, you know, Trey is, is commanding a lot more assets in return than Kyrie. Like the, the Russell, the Russell Westbrook two picks and Austin Reeves isn't doing it for Trey Young, who's under contract, who's 24 years old, 23, 24 years old, as yeah. mercurial as he is, like he's still super talented. Like that's just not doing it. Yeah. Can I, can I can I also throw out just another thing? I don't understand, and I guess it's just the Heat culture, but I don't understand why everybody thinks that the Heat are like lurking in the shadows for for some big player because I don't know what they have to offer other than like Tyler Hero. I, I just don't know what they can do. Because possibly. haven't you realized over the years that you never, ever, ever bet against the dawn of the NBA and Pat Riley? <laughs> maybe that's why me. yeah maybe it's you just never me. bet against them you never bet against them ever ever oh god it's tormented the knicks franchise every year since the summer of 1995 when he faxed his resignation in that pat riley you never bet against the guys so i'm just yeah I'm, I'm I'm more I'm more cautiously optimistic that they don't do anything than anything else. That's that's kind of. Hard. I don't think they do anything this season. Yeah, I think they'll be active in the off season. Yeah. I also, if you're looking for a team in the East that is kind of like, I wouldn't say a sleeping giant, but like maybe one step below that, it's the Heat. Because they do it every year, man. They do it every year. Yeah. They do it every year. Like they were one shot away from the NBA Finals last year. It's every mm-hmm. year. It's every year. Mm-hmm. I I I, ne- I won't bet against that coach. I won't bet against Riley. And Jimmy Butler push comes to shove is one of the ten best players in the league. I, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I won't bet against them. That's fair. No, it's totally fair. I get it. All right, Avi. This was great. Uh, we may run it back for Super Bowl props in a little bit. And uh, thanks so much for doing it. And we'll speak soon. Awesome. So I brought him back. He's doing a double shift. It's a crazy week. We love this stuff. Double shift. Avi Wexler is back. We are going to transition on a Wednesday afternoon. We are going to transition to doing some Super Bowl preview, some prop bets. We did this episode last year. It was great. But before we do it, uh, there were some NBA happenings. Kyrie Irving gave a weird press conference. Still basically confirms that he hates our kind whatever but the big story last night was lebron james passed kareem abdul jabbar for the league's all-time scoring record uh avi what was your reactions when you saw what happened last night uh honestly i was 
kind of surprised at just how they decided to go about uh, celebrating all of it. I, I wasn't surprised that they were that the Lakers were trying to basically just give feed him the ball throughout the game because it reminded me kind of similar to to Kobe's last game where it was like, all right, Kobe, you're just going to take every shot possible so you can you know have an amazing send off. And this was kind of like LeBron, we want you to break this record here tonight. All the stars are out here. Um, you're going to wear the headband just like you used to. Uh, you're wearing all black because you're all business. Like, all right, like it's going to happen tonight. Great. He has like 20, I think, in the first half and then the third yeah. quarter. And it's a close game and they're losing. And then in the third quarter, he turns it on, scores like 16 or 18, I think, in that in that third quarter alone to, to break the record. I just thought it was a little weird that it ended up happening with like 10, 11 seconds left in the third quarter. And then they end up stopping the game completely to celebrate him. And it reminded me of uh, when Drew Brees broke the passing yards record a few years ago for the Saints. And they, it like happened in like the middle of the game and they just stopped the game. They brought like a whole production out on the, onto the field. And it was just like a little, like too much over the top. And I was like, why not just celebrate it at the end of the third quarter or at the end of the game? At, at some point, it was just weird that they immediately had to stop everything they were doing. And it kind of took the air out of the sails of the Lakers who were tr- were clawing their way back into the game. And they ended up losing, right? So it, it ended up hurting them anyways. But, you know, happy for LeBron. Uh, probably the greatest basketball player I'll ever see, like, in my lifetime, prime to prime. Um, and I don't think anyone's ever going to catch him. I think – I actually do think Kareem is going to get get passed again. Uh, and you and I can discuss it later, but to me, I don't think anybody's ever going to beat LeBron. Well, depending on how long LeBron plays, LeBron could easily end up with 40,000 points, 10,000 rebounds, and 10,000 assists, which is crazy, which is <laughs> it's just absurd. And I've made no you know, secret that I'm not a LeBron guy. I think he's a Obviously, I think he's a tremendous ball player. I, I think he's more of a compiler than anything. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, the longevity and the excellence is it, – it's really hard to say that anybody has topped him in those regards. I mean, obviously, Kareem wasn't allowed to come in right out of high school. Kareem had to basically stay four years uh, in mm-hmm. college. Kareem wasn't even allowed to play – varsity basketball as a freshman and the the jv team beat up the varsity team at ucla and that ucla team ended up winning the uh the NCAA championship that year so i mean kareem was just like it's an unassailable career but so is lebron's i mean the longevity the fact that he's always in shape the fact that he's worked on his game, like, you know, the streaky jump shooting has become a little bit more of a strength now. You know, the three-point shooting has dipped this year. But, you know, I, I think there's a real – it has to be commendable, the fact that he works on his game year in and year out and the fact that he's 20 years in. And I know we have modern-day sports science, modern-day medicine, but the guy's a physical marvel. And yeah, it's great genetics. He hit the genetic lottery, but a lot of that is the effort that he puts into his body. And for all the detraction that I have towards LeBron James, I will never, ever, ever say anything negative about his dedication towards the game of basketball. Now, 
Were there yeah. some weird things last night? Again, you know, when they chose to celebrate it, it should have been at the stoppage. Uh, I also did think it was very funny that the Lakers lost again. You know, this Lakers team that's trying to make the playoffs, but is is just not. And I think that's really funny. And and for all the LeBron fanboys and the Laker fans who are just like so torn up about this season, the fact that they stink. But, like, LeBron got his. It, it's just – all of it's just weird. It's also weird that LeBron, because of choices he's made in his career, doesn't really belong to a franchise. Because I don't think, you know, Laker fans would really consider him a Laker, even though this was his, like, most Laker-ish moment last night that they got to share with him because the Mickey Mouse Cup that they won, no one was in the stands. Um, <laughs> and it's just – it's just weird. It, it's – it's an incredible career that he's had. The fact that he's been in the spotlight since he's 14 years old and hasn't had a public mishap. I mean, the most public mishap per se, if you even want to call it a mishap, was the decision. And that was more tone deaf than anything. I, I think yeah. in certain respects, like his personality, he's sometimes the most self-aware guy and sometimes the least self-aware guy on the planet. Yeah, it's it's just a, it's a crazy career, you know, an unbelievable career. Uh, he's a very loaded topic, a topic that I've discussed on this show many a times. But congratulations to him. But, you know, and, and as great as he is, I, I don't think he he's had a better career than Michael Jordan, only because peak for peak, I thought Jordan was more dominant. And, you know, Jordan never had the the blemish of the 2011 finals. Like, that's just what it is. Yeah. But, you know. No, I mean, it's, it's a fair it's a fair argument to make. I, I still think it's tough because I feel like LeBron growing up in the social media era has basically been. So much has harder. Has basically been so much harder. Because yes. every, you can, you, you can see with him, it, he can't even like really be himself in the interviews or just be himself anywhere. Like, I know he just came out the other day and said like, he came and go to Starbucks or go to Target, whatever. Like, yeah. You know, it sucks being a billionaire because you're going to get noticed by everybody you go, everywhere you go, by everybody, right? Okay. I But at the same time, it, just to dig in a bit deeper, it just seems like his whole career has basically just been PR and just making sure that he doesn't say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing, whereas guys like MJ could do whatever really they wanted to off the court and then on the court, like, you know, it was just kind of separate. And it, it's something that I feel like a lot of athletes are dealing with now where their own brand is as important, if not more important than actually what they're going with onto the court. And, you know, that's just, a, that's just, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. It's just kind of a result of where we are in society with social media, where everybody has a camera phone. Have to be so careful with everything. Yeah. Everybody has a camera phone. You can't really be yourself. And as you said before, LeBron LeBron's reputation is basically spotless. Like he doesn't even have like a parking ticket, right? Like there isn't, there's nothing you can knock him for. Off well, of the court well, hold on. Behavior. No, there, there is. It's sometimes that he's a dick of a teammate when he calls somebody out on Instagram, as opposed to just doing it in the locker room. Like let's not, let, in terms of him being, being a guy, Yes, he hasn't gotten any yeah. scandals and in, in, into any that's, trouble. That's what I mean. Yeah, LeBron, yeah. Is he the best LeBron team in the world? Not, yeah, his personality has rubbed people the wrong way. And you know, and what you just said in terms of you know constantly being under the microscope. I mean, you saw it last night, like the weird clip of Anthony Davis's reaction when he was on so the weird. bench. 
it's just like, well, what's going on there? The fact that like that's even being analyzed, you know, in terms of LeBron's willingness to be a good teammate or whatever, like it's just so mm -hmm. layered with him. But, you know, yeah. as a basketball player, the guy's great. He just his personality rubs a lot of people the wrong way. He sometimes says yeah. dumb stuff, but he's never really done dumb stuff. He's just a fascinating guy, and but he's just not better than Michael Jordan. And that and that's really all I have to say because we can <laughs> analyze LeBron for hours upon end. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a pretty cool moment last night. Obviously, it's history, um, you know, but. I just I just find it really funny that the Lakers lost to the Oklahoma City Thunder, <laughs> you know, while all this. And it just so happens that he passed Michael Jordan on the all-time list. They lost. He passed Kobe Bryant on the all-time list. They lost. Passed Carl yeah. Malone on the all-time list. He lost. And it's just like his, his tenure with the Lakers is just going to be a little complex because he played GM and it hasn't worked. And obviously, as we're talking – Things are going down, you know, uh, there may be a Westbrook trade for D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley. Like, who the hell knows? But we'll, yeah. we'll follow it. But kudos to LeBron, an unbelievable career, even if he's done winning titles. I mean, four titles, multiple MVPs, you know, dragging teams to the finals that had no business going there, like in 20, like in 2018, in 2007. I actually think 2007 – his loss in the finals is the most impressive feat yeah. of his career, to be totally honest, even more than all the titles he's won. But yeah, I mean, unbelievable, yeah. unbelievable career. And it's, and the fact that he's still doing it at this age, you know, is, is a testament to his hard work and, and you can't take that away from him, but all right, it's Super Bowl week. It's time. It's time to talk about Super Bowl. We've done a lot of NBA. Uh, this is going to be an absolute jam-packed show so let's start out we got the chiefs the eagles the two one seeds so i ask you this what do you like most about this matchup and within the game you know which in-game matchup intrigues you the most uh, well i mean everybody's been talking about it so it obviously has to be that both kelsey brothers are in the super bowl because that's been the only fun headline right joking aside honestly one of the worst headlines they could kind of go with especially because the whole brother thing is so played out and it's not even the best brother super bowl that we've seen the best brother super bowl is the harbaugh harbaugh bowl when the lights went out and that was two guys coaching against each other so I, if anything that's the number one headline from then if any i, I would say this hold on biggest... i still think it's pretty cool that there are two siblings cool. playing in the it's game cool, together. Like, like that is pretty awesome i know like yeah. it's been beaten to death but it's and a that's partially death. because like, of Super it, Bowl media week is two weeks now, but two weeks I, I think that's yeah. pretty it's cool. Just, it's, it's cool. It just, it's so, it got, it was the oldest joke or oldest played thing other than like, oh, a white guy who's on the Patriots is playing receiver. He must have played lacrosse at Rutgers, right? Like, it's just like, all right, right. we get the joke already. You're beating the dead horse. For or me, not even the joke. Of the game like, out, oh, we've got, yeah. or we've, we've got, you know, two African-American quarterbacks in the yeah. game like you know yeah. of course cnn's Wonderful. eating that shit up but whatever we're not even going to go down yeah. that road the only thing yeah. is is that you know with the two brothers playing in the super bowl they both happen to be the arguably the best players at their respective positions in the league and are yep. probably two yep. future hall of famers so we'll, we'll, we'll give them yeah. that yeah i'll give them their flowers for that too i i'll say this though in my opinion the game is going to come down to how 
your former defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnuolo, is going to use the rookie defend, uh, defensive class that the Chiefs have. I think like six of their 11 starters are rookies on the defensive side against Jalen Hurts. I think the Eagles, for the most part, have been sleepwalking through the season. I think going into the season, they had the ranked the easiest schedule. They had the best record. They only lost one game with Hurts, and they haven't really played a good team in the playoffs. No offense to your Giants, no offense to the Niners, but those games were both over in the first quarter because of the quarterbacks that they played against, and they just kind of steamrolled over those teams. The Chiefs, on the other hand, have been fighting in these games. I know that, like, the Jags game, you know, maybe not the toughest challenge, but the Jags are not a bad playoff team, all things considered, and they almost won that game. But, you know, if not for if not for some late uh, late game heroics by Mahomes, but the Bengals game, I mean, once again, Mahomes yeah. does Mahomes things. He, he's like, as you said before, he's like Steph Curry. So what what he can do has transformed what you can do on the NFL field, regardless of what the pieces are on both sides. So taking that out, I would still say hurts against this defense with a really good defensive coordinator and Steve Spagnuolo is going to be what I'm looking at. Yeah, the the Eagles are interesting because you made the point about the two best quarterbacks that they've played in the last, you know, four months is uh, Dak Prescott and uh, and Daniel Jones and I guess Aaron Rodgers and they put up numbers and you know Daniel Jones was hot going into the uh, into the playoff game but they uh, you know but they beat him up pretty good. Uh, to me, the 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 biggest you know, and I know this sounds so super cliche, but to me the biggest matchup is is the the six inches in front of the line of scrimmage and the six inches behind the line of scrimmage, and it's it's oh, yeah. offense it's offensive line versus defensive line. Mm-hmm. Hassan Reddick has been awesome. The Philly defensive line has been great. Phenomenal. They, you know yep. they they've had so many more sacks and QB pressures than any other team in the league. Uh, yeah. The Chiefs' offensive line is good, but a little banged up. And yep. you know, Chris Jones, and you know, he's a he's a game wrecker. So yeah. it's w- which line proves to be victorious. Yeah. And I I know like and Jalen Hurts did not look good against the 49ers defense. I mean, mm-hmm. he didn't have to because they were basically playing without a quarterback for 70 percent of the game after Brock Purdy got hurt. Yeah. Um, right. I think that game would have gone totally differently in terms of a sleepwalk. Like, I don't think it would have been a sleepwalk, but Jalen Hurts yeah. hasn't looked great. Uh, the Philly offense, you know, offense has, you know, their passing game hasn't looked great in a while. Mm-hmm. It hasn't needed to because the Philly defensive line has been wrecking these games. And that to me is is going to be the big matchup. Which, uh, which yeah. grouping of lines plays better? Yeah, I, I remember. I remember a couple of years ago when when you had me on, and it was Mahomes against the Niners, and that was the year where Mahomes really had nothing to work with in terms of offensive line talent, despite how good he was with the weapons around him and the defense also being solid. I, I think it's the same issue here. I think, or I think it's it, it's all about the line play, as you said before. When you have a team that can rush four and basically get to the get to the quarterback route like 60% of the time, which is what they do without even blitzing. That's kind of the key to being Mahomes. It's not blitzing Mahomes because Mahomes against the blitz is actually better than yeah. what people would expect. It's rushing four against him and making him hold on to the ball and kind of move around. Even though he does some Herculean stuff with the ball, some absolute right. Houdini tight, 
tightrope magic. I, I don't know if he can pull that off against a really good defense at all three levels like the Eagles. The Bengals are a solid defense, but they don't have the same blue chippers on their side as, uh, as the Eagles do. The Eagles have guys all across the board, as you said. Hassan Reddick is not Chris Jones, but he is their version of a game record. He gets after the quarterback. But then there's also so Fletcher say, Cox. There's, Brand, Fletcher there's Cox. Brandon Graham. There's Ndamukong Jordan Sue. Davis. Yeah, there's all these dudes. Yeah. It's a rotation. Exactly. There's six guys deep. And then you have guys, and then on the offensive side, as you said before, the Philly line is nasty. You have Lane Johnson playing on, like, two torn groins who's still throwing people around. I saw a video from the from the NFC Championship game. I know, once again, cakewalk. I saw Jason Kelsey throw a guy into another guy with one arm, just an absolute monster. They have guys all over, and they can run the ball like crazy. They have Hurts' legs, which are not an issue. You have Miles Sanders, Kenny Gainwell, the playoff killer that is Boston. And Scott, and then they have some guys who can catch the ball, like Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, AJ Brown. It's it's going to be a really tough test for Mahomes. So I I, I know I'm jumping up a, a little bit ahead here, but I think the point is the Eagles haven't been tested all year, and the the Chiefs have been battle tested at, throughout the years, especially this year in this playoff run. The the Chiefs have the better quarterback. That's not a dispute. They have the better coach. Not a dispute. They have the better tight end, and probably the best defensive player on the team. Not a dispute. But I just feel like the, the Chiefs – or sorry, I feel like the Eagles, top to bottom, have more depth and stronger pieces. So they may not have the best guy, but they have two through six at every other right. position that is probably the best guy. If I've learned anything from being a Giants fan over the years, yeah, right, it's, it's who can, controls the line of scrimmage. As great yep. as all the toys are on the outside, you know – I saw it win two Super Bowls. I saw a rotation of defensive ends be able to get to a quarterback who is the greatest to ever do it, but they're able to get yep. there with the front four, and it helps them on the back end, right? Because, like, these guys are amazing against the Blitz. They're smarter than anybody, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. That's really what it is. And it, it's it's all about the line play. It's, it's wild. It's yeah. really wild. And, and the other thing is, I know that Mahomes has now had two weeks to heal off of his ankle injury. So hopefully, you know, he's better there and he can actually move around a little bit better. Even though he was moving around, I'd say, 80% of, like, what he could do, which is crazy considering uh, the high ankle sprain. And then, you know, Hurts has the shoulder injuries, you said before. But my other issue would just kind of be the, the issues at the skill positions for offense for the Chiefs. Kelsey has a back issue with that I know two weeks rest will give you. But back spasms can come back. Yeah. all the time, and that can really kill a team, especially when he's your your number one, really only offensive weapon. At receiver, Juju Smith-Schuster's nice, but had a knee injury, had to exit the AFC Championship game. Nicole Hardman's out. So you're kind of relying on the backup tight ends to Kelsey, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and then like Isaiah Pacheco, who's a seventh-round rookie running back. So it's – I'm not saying that – Who's looked good, by the way. We're going to get to the props in a second. But oh, yeah. I, I, there are oh, a lot 100%. of – there are a couple of Pacheco props that I like. Um, yeah, big time. I but, just, yeah, I, no, I'm, I, I'm I hear more, you. I, you know, I, it's just it, last time Mahomes in the Super Bowl, his offensive line was completely overwhelmed and shorthanded. And I feel like this this time around, the offensive line is in a better spot, but the skill position players around them are not as good. And as good as that defense is for Kansas City in making timely stops, they haven't played against a good enough of an offensive line like what the Eagles have faced this year. 
it's a it's a fascinating matchup. It really, really is. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about Mahomes for a second. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, I, I mentioned it in the last episode. Like, he's just a cut above, right? He's a cut above. There's him, and then there's everybody else, right? He's just a cut above. I mean, the fact that he's been a starter for five years, has made the AFC title game every single year. He's made the Super Bowl three times. He's already won one, has a chance to win two. Um, your guy, Tom Brady, who's the best to ever do it, just retired, right? I don't think anybody will ever catch Brady in terms of accolades, right? But if Mahomes gets this one and can go on a little bit of a run here, He's going to get close to the the dreaded greatest of all time conversation because it's going to be sure. like like the Jordan Bill Russell kind of thing. You know, Russell was the ultimate winner, but like, you know, Jordan's considered the greatest player ever. I'm not saying that that we're there yet, but sure. that's that avalanche will start. Right. Because now he's had yeah. moments with the high ankle sprain and and getting that w specifically on the scramble that led to the penalty like just herculean stuff right yeah he wins this one like in terms of his standing in nfl history this has to catapult him into a whole nother stratosphere like we're talking you know yeah top five of all time already already. oh yeah i think yeah. So, yeah. So you mentioned it before. If you look at, and so the MVP gets announced uh, like the night before the Super Bowl right now, Mahomes, I think is the favorite to win. I think it's actually Mahomes and Hurts, which makes it actually a really fun matchup. No Mahomes has quarter. Mahomes will probably end up winning it because Hurts missed some games. And plus the effort that Mahomes has put in, it's probably going to be him. It's interesting though. The last quarterback to win the MVP and the Super Bowl in the same year was 1997 with Kurt Warner. So since then, no other guy has won both the regular season MVP and the Super Bowl. People have come close, right? Like Matt Ryan came very close. Brady's come close a couple times too, but it's never actually happened. This could be the year where that definitely does happen, which would be very cool to see. I'd say this. Of, there have only been – oh, I wrote it down. There have only been nine quarterbacks to ever have won two or more MVPs. So if Mahomes wins, he's in that. He'll be the 10th to do so. And of those nine quarterbacks to win MVPs, only three of them, Brady, Manning, and Montana, have won at least two Super Bowls. So right. if he's if he wins, he's 100% in that top four conversation. You still got to put Brady at number one, especially because Brady beat them in a head-to-head matchup. And Brady was in his 40s when he did it. I know that his team was loaded in Mahomes, as we said before, had plenty of issues on the line. But, you know, you're going to give it to the guy for beating him one-on-one, right? Sure. And unless Mahomes gets to seven or eight, I don't think it's going to happen, right? So you have to put him in that conversation of Manning, at least, where you're going to have multiple regular season awards plus two Super Bowls as well. So he's in there. You know, Elway only actually won one MVP, which is crazy to think about. But he's certainly in that echelon, right? So if he wins, he's 100% in, like, the top four Mount Rushmore quarterbacks. It would probably be Brady, Mahomes, Manning, and uh, Montana, right? Not not Montana being number four overall. He'd probably be second greatest ever, although I just didn't get to really see him play. But he's in the top four. If he loses, I really don't think this does anything to his legacy because he's still so young and right. he's in good enough of a system where it's not the end of the world. Hopefully he does better than putting up nine points like last time that he was in the Super right. Bowl. But 
you know, I, I don't think losing this Super Bowl does anything to his legacy. I, I think he's in a no-lose situation here. The only thing I'll say is that, and I agree with you, but the only thing I'll say is for him to win the second one is major validation. It's a major yeah. validation on this, you know, this decade, that that this era that we're in, that, that he's like the man of the the era that he's in. Yeah. And yeah. he's already more accomplished than Aaron Rodgers, right? Because yeah. Rodgers only got to one Super Bowl. And as great as Rodgers was, he came up small in a lot of NFC championship games. But yeah. you don't want Mahomes to be the guy who gets there and doesn't get the second one. Mm-hmm. You just want this to be like a cherry on top kind of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. So I agree. So yeah. I don't think it affects his legacy because, again, he's only been a starter for five years. and He's going to be around for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you don't want to get that reputation of, all right, so we got one. That's great. We get there and it's really hard to get there. Don't get me wrong. It is really hard to get there. Especially now from the AFC. Yes. Look how many good quarterbacks there are. Right. I mean, for a while we for a while we had a dearth, right? It was just Brady and Manning. You had mm-hmm. Breeze in the NFC. I mean, he was in the AFC a little bit, but you had Breeze. Yeah. There's there's a dearth there, right? It was basically Brady, Manning, and Roethlisberger. And then you had Favre, Rodgers, Breeze. Um, you know, you could throw Eli in there because he's got two, right, in the NFC. <laughs> and it was – you joke. Joke, I'm just saying. I mean, look, I, look, I'm on the losing end of both of those Super Bowls, so I, I have to, I have to get my cap. You know, I mean, great, greatest so. sports fandom moment of my lifetime. Um, yeah. So yeah, I will. It, it, it would just be nice as somebody who appreciates guys who are that great for Mahomes to get the cherry on top to really mm-hmm. validate him and put him in another stratosphere. Uh, yeah, he's. Mm-hmm. He's just incredible. Absolutely incredible. Even and yeah, even if they lose this game, it's not going to really affect anything legacy-wise. But but yeah, it, it would be nice as somebody who appreciates the greatness for him to be validated in this way. And plus, I don't like the Eagles, so I want them to win. Um, transitioning over to uh, to betting the game right now, the mm-hmm. line is Philly minus one and a half. The game. You know, spread has not really moved much. No, I think it stayed. I think it stayed the stayed in the whole time. Which it stayed I don't know one and a ever. half throughout. So, if yeah. you had to bet the game with the spread, which game, which way are you leaning? Uh, I'm only going to pick Eagles just because, as I said, I think that yes, they're a front running team, and yes, they've had the easiest schedule of sleepwalking through the season and the postseason. But I just think that they top to bottom have a better roster. So, I'm going to take them, uh, and I. I, I think it's uh, I think it's a fair spread because how do you bet against Mahomes, right? You know, um, but I'm going to take the Eagles to win and cover the spread. I'm going to go KC plus one and a half. I just it. I have a hard time betting against the guy. I have a hard time betting yeah. against the guy. I feel like if you bet Mahomes all the time, like as an underdog, like I think you're just going to come out on top. It's over his career. Yeah, it, it really <laughs> is. Now, again, KC, as a high favorite under under Andy Reid, has had a lot of trouble covering spreads, and I took advantage of that this year. But yeah. in this spot, it's hard to not take him plus the one and a half. 
he, you know, another week of of treatment on the ankle, and we'll get to that in terms of one of my prop bets that I was looking at. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm gonna take KC plus one and a half. Okay, so part of the Super Bowl fun is the prop bets, and if you go onto the FanDuel sportsbook app. They have legitimately everything under the sun. They're really leaning mm-hmm. into people are degenerates, uh, especially on Super Bowl Sunday. So we are going to alternate prop bets. Your favorite prop it. bet of the Super Bowl this year is? My favorite prop bet of the Super Bowl this year is? <laughs> it's... Uh, it's actually my favorite one that I run every week, and the odds are always great. Uh, it's each team to score a touchdown and a field goal in each half. Right now, that's at plus 1,700 right now. Um, I really love like it. I absolutely love it. I really like it. A, both teams like to run the ball. Both teams have good red zone defenses. Uh, B, they both have amazing kickers. Jake Elliott knocks him down from 40, knocks him down from 50. Harrison Bucker knocks him down from 60. And we saw in the in the AFC Championship game, I think that he even had one to close out the half and, and the big one to win it, right? So I, I'm taking I'm taking that one easily. I, I'd put a unit or two on it if I could. Both teams are going to be putting up points, I think. And both teams are going to have a hard time scoring touchdowns, but I don't think they're going to have a hard time kicking field goals. So I would have that's going to be my favorite one. I love that bet. I love that bet. Um, my favorite is Mahomes rushing yards over 19 and a half. All right. Okay. Now, again, we've got the ankle issue. It's been two weeks. Mm-hmm. I know he mm-hmm. hasn't wanted to run. He hasn't wanted to run the ball a lot recently. And that would make a lot of sense, especially in the AFC title game. But I just think the training wheels are off. I think the adrenaline's going to pump. And if he needs to, he's more than capable of picking up yardage with his feet. I think he can get to 20 rushing yards. So Patrick Mahomes over 19 and a half rushing yards. Okay. I like it. I mean, I like it too, right? I can see, I see now. I see the classic Mahomes scamper where he looks like he's like carrying an egg on like uh, on like a spoon at like the county fair. Holds the ball out for an extra yard and a half, like the whole thing. Yeah, yeah I could see it. I could totally see it. And, you know, maybe they've just been rope-a-doping us for the last like month or so with his ankle being actually okay. I know there were times where he looked like he could barely move, but, you know, with extra two weeks, these guys are, these guys are different beings. They're not, they're superhuman athletes, right? Like yeah. they, they can tough through it. I can totally see it happening. Um, my next, next one. favorite one. I like both Hassan Reddick and Chris Jones to record two sacks each on FanDuel right now. Two sacks, two sacks each. each. Two sacks each for plus 3,000 odds. Chris Jones lines up all over the defensive line for the Chiefs. And Lane Johnson, as great as he is, one of the best, if not the best, right tackles in the game, still does have two like groin issues. And look, he's a game wrecker. You can double team all you want. He's going to make some plays. And with Jalen Hurts, Having being a guy who struggles as you as you've seen as a Giants fan struggles with his second, third, fourth reads. If the if the Eagles are having a hard time finding their first option open, Hertz is going to hold onto the ball. You can get to Hertz in the backfield too. So I'm going to take that as well. And Hassan Reddick, as you said before, game record for the game record for the Eagles. 
The Chiefs' offensive line's banged up. They've, the Eagles have led the league in sacks this year, and Reddick's been a huge part of that. Why? I think he's had like five or six in the last like four games alone. So I like uh, I like that bet at plus three thousand. What are the odds of them to record one sack each? Odds for one sack? I can pull it up in a second because I have it. Uh, I had it up. Um, defensive props. Hold on. While while you're looking for that, I'll give my second yeah. one, which is actually um, kind of piggying back off of what you said about Jalen Hurts is struggling with his, you know, going into second read. I like Devonta mm-hmm. Smith over 63 and a half receiving yards. I oh, think yeah, a- I like that a lot. I think A.J. Brown is going to get, you know, the lion's share of attention. Uh, uh-huh. I actually think Devonta Smith is not that far off from AJ Brown in terms of a talent and being. He's an he's so good. He's an mm-hmm. unbelievable route runner. I just think he uh, of the two is gonna. Ha- if there's gonna be a big game of an Eagles receiver, I think it's gonna be Devonta Smith over 63 and a half receiving yards for Devonta Smith. Yeah, I like that a lot. I I'm actually I'm actually still having trouble finding this uh, sack line. But, but I can piggyback it into one of my, two of my other favorite bets, actually, where because we both like Chris Jones and Hassan Reddick so much, and I could definitely see it going this way, the long shot bets right now for uh, MVPs. If you wanted to, and I could totally see it, Chris Jones was arguably the MVP of the AFC Championship game. If you, said, if you think the Chiefs are going to win, and it's because of their defense, and Chris Jones is going to probably be the reasons why, MVP odds for Chris Jones is plus 5,000 right now. On the other side of the ball, or on the other side of the uh, of the field, Eagles, Hassan Reddick, who was probably the best player in the championship game for the Eagles two weeks ago, plus 3,400. So, you know, usually it goes to a quarterback. I have the stats right here. Um, the, the uh, of like the last 25, over the last 25 years, only four defensive players have won the award. I yeah. think the last one to do it was Malcolm, or Von Miller, sorry, in Super Bowl 50. And... 15 of those 25 uh, have gone to quarterbacks. So I think, and I think the last, and the last year was Cooper cup, who was wide receiver, Julian Edelman a few years ago, also wide receiver. It's not a bad year to bet on a defensive player to do it. No, I actually think those two guys are good long shot bets. The only way you bet Mahomes to win the MVP, because he's the favorite probably is if you parlay it for the Kansas city money line. Like that's the only way you're going to get any juice on that bet to make it worthwhile. My next mm-hmm. favorite prop bet is Miles Sanders to score a touchdown. Oh, the easiest one of the day. Yes, yeah, hundred percent. I, I don't know. I I know. I, I don't know why the odds are that high. I think it's like plus two ten or something like that. Like, what are the odds? Mm-hmm. I, I had trouble finding yeah, it, I, but yeah, it's something I, yeah, along those lines. And, uh... You're getting two to one. That to me is just like. He may even score the first touchdown. What are the odds of him scoring the first touchdown? Uh, to score first touchdown. Well, actually, I had a really good one for you. Hold on, I'm trying to pull it up here. The the first, if you wanted to actually do it, you could parlay uh, uh, Sanders to have the first touchdown and uh, Kelsey to have the second touchdown, and that's at plus eighteen hundred. That's, so, I mean, that's, that's not bad. That's not bad. Right there. 
but I think I think both I think I think both of them are pretty close to to even money right now. Uh, Kelsey and and uh, Sanders are the two to score uh, worst odds, I guess, to score. Yeah, yeah, I like Miles Sanders to score. All right, I got I have another one here. Sorry, I just got to keep jumping through my tabs. Um, I like speaking of Miles Sanders, I like the over at rushing yards. Uh, Sixty-one and a half. And a half. Yeah, I like the over there. I would parlay that with Isaiah Pacheco at over 46 and a half and Kenneth Gainwell at over 19 and a half. Yes, I agree with right, all those that things. right there is that right there is plus 667. So I, I think that's an easy one for me to take. I think the Eagles are going to run the ball a lot because, as you said before, Mahomes can't or not Mahomes. Sorry, Hurts can't really throw the ball as well because of the shoulder. But at the same time, I also like. The fact that the Eagles have a three-headed monster that can run the ball. And we saw Pacheco break some big runs. Jarek McKinnon hasn't been running the ball as effectively recently. So I would probably combine those three right there. If not, you can play around with a few of them. The Pacheco line for rushing yards, I, I think, is way too low. Um, I had that circled as well. Uh, you can do it mm-hmm. parlayed. You can do it individually. I think it's good. The other mm-hmm. one that I, I like to bet basically every single year is, will there be a successful two-point conversion? Yes. Yeah. Bet yes. Yeah. I know it didn't hit I last like it. year, I like that a lot. but bet yes. A hundred percent, especially because both teams are really creative when it comes to goal line plays. I mean, how many times have you seen like Kelsey line up under sever, center or they do the ring around the rosy play? Sometimes they'll just have Mahomes do the little underhand flip to Kelsey in motion. And then the Eagles, they can run Wildcat. They can have they can have Hurts out at receiver. They've already run the the vaunted Philly special. Maybe they bring that back this year in the Super Bowl. So I, I love that play a lot. How do you feel about um how do you feel about Miles Sanders and Kelsey to each score two touchdowns? Because I could see that happening as well. I'm not sure it's going to be that high a scoring game. And I also think mm-hmm. that they're going to just spread the wealth a little bit because if okay. you're the defensive coordinator for the Eagles, like you can't let, just let Kelsey go buck wild crazy. Uh, everybody says that. It seems like it, it's one of the things where it's like the easiest thing to do is to stop Kelsey because he's the thing that gets to go. And I feel like every defensive coordinator knows that, but then they just can't do it. So I don't know if that's just a testament to how good Mahomes, Reed, and Kelsey are or just that defensive coordinators forget uh, that there's really only like one guy you can actually do damage with the ball. Yeah, that that's my fear with the the two touchdown thing for yeah. Kelsey yeah. and Miles Sanders. I just think they're gonna they're gonna spread it out a little bit. I, I think the Eagles get super creative around the goal line. You know, it's not just Miles Sanders all the time. We mentioned Boston Scott. We mentioned Gainwell. We mentioned Hurts running it himself. And you sure. saw last week against Cincinnati. You know, Kelsey only had seven for 76. I mean, only, mm-hmm. but, you know, he had, he had seven for 76, one TD. And mm-hmm. I, I assume more of that in terms of a Kelsey stat line than the 13 catches he had against Jacksonville a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I'd actually, I'd totally as, get that. as a single bet, I'd almost bet Kelsey not to score because I feel like those oh. odds are, you know, going reverse. But I do like the parlay. The other one I kind of like, you know, only because the odds are are plus 310 is any player going over 100 yards rushing. Mm. I would I would say no on that personally. I, I know you I know you are big on Pacheco. I just 
I feel I like just thought the I just to... thought the odds are interesting. But I guess maybe, yeah, yeah. You know what? I kind of you know I walked that back because I just mentioned how they like to spread the wealth. But I just thought it was interesting odds for you know a team that runs the ball as much as they do. Yeah, I think I think part of it the issue for me is I don't remember the last time a running back ran for a hundred plus in a in a Super Bowl. Like it was like it like Mixon didn't last year. It just it seems like especially right, now with how the game is played. The ball is usually just in the quarterback's hands, and especially when you have mobile quarterbacks like Mahomes and Hurts, it's hard for me to see them getting the ball up in crucial moments. And I think it's going to be a close game. I, I really do. Right. I actually, speaking of the quarterbacks, I actually like the under on both of the passing uh, passing yardage totals right now. I we do said too. Before Hurts, Hurts' shoulder not been great. He ha- he's only thrown I think for more than like I think 240 yards. I think like five or six times in the in this this whole season and with the shoulder you're not sure i think mahomes the line's been creeping up recently so i think now it's at like 292 and a half i think that's what it is on FanDuel. and i like that, the under I as well take either i like the under too because the eagles have a good secondary they can get to mahomes also with their front four and i don't really they I, there's no tyree kill like fear of god that the that they have other than you know mahomes and kelsey uh, and you know i just don't they don't have that over the top big play in them there's like one one of the prop bets is like will there be a player to have like a 60 yard reception or something like that i wouldn't i would say no on that also and i don't think the odds are that amazing on it um yeah i i feel like this is not going to be a game of like a lot of big shot plays i feel like it's going to be a ground and pound run the clock chew the clock kind of game back and forth than it is anything else which brings me to my last one that i had written down jalen hurts over 10 and a half rushing attempts. Oh. I like yes at minus 104. Okay. I, because if you think the Eagles are going to win, remember the kneel down counts as an attempt. Mm, that's a good point. So we're not talking that's a really rushing good point. yards. Credit Cousin Sal on the Bill Simmons podcast for this one. Credit Sal for pointing out that a kneel down is a rushing attempt. It affects your yards negatively, but it's a rushing attempt. So I like for all those reasons, if you think that there's a chance that Philly wins and they go for a kneel down, which is definitely, you know, possible. I like the over 10 and a half rushing attempts for Jalen Hurts. That was the last one I had written down. So to summarize, yeah, yeah. Your, your three favorite are if you had to pick three, your top three. Top three are the the both teams to score a touchdown and field goal in each half. At that, that's I like plus that 1,700. One. Yes. Yeah. Um, Hassan Reddick and Chris Jones to each record two sacks is 3,000. Um, and then the final one that I like the most is the run the damn ball. Uh, boot, uh, not boost, but uh, overs. And that's just Miles Sanders over 61 and a half. Isaiah Pacheco over 46 and a half and Kenny Gainwell over 19 and a half rushing yards, which comes out to plus six, six, seven. I love that parlay. I love the each team to score a TD and a field goal and a half. Um, but my other ones are, will there be a successful two point conversion? Yes. Yep. Devonta Smith over 63 and a half receiving yards. And Oh, what was the last one I was talking about? Oh, and the unders on both passing yards. Yes, yeah, yeah. I, All I, right, so I mean, 
And your final prediction for score and winner is you're taking Philly. Yeah, I'm taking Philly. I take Philly by a field goal here. I'm going to say Kansas City 24-20. I don't hate that either. I really don't hate that either. Well, Avi, thanks for doing double duty this week. Let's have ourselves a Sunday. Uh, Let's see what happens the rest of the NBA trade deadline because we still have that to look forward to. But let's have ourselves a Sunday. Thanks so much for doing it. It was a pleasure. Yeah, thanks again for having me. I uh, can't wait to lose and win all, or win all of our money. So it's going to be great. Absolutely. Let's let's cash some tickets. Let's cash, let's some, cash tickets. some tickets. Speak to you soon, kiddo. Speak to you soon, man. Thanks again to Avi Wexler for doing a double shift this week, talking about NBA tread deadline, talking a little bit about LeBron passing the scoring record, talking Super Bowl bets and Super Bowl prop bets packed episode absolutely jam-packed that's episode 196 for the love of the game take us out scarface jay-z and like a safety watching traffic switch young and never pump fake and you'll get past the blitz and keep your whole hood on flip like old box spring pissy magic no won't box of things strictly glassy i hug the block like quarter water now i used to hug the corner like an old deuce in a quarter till i deuce in the morning with the old heads Slinging loose quarters, this Philly cat back at it, and still f- with them that is still bustin' with that black patty. Guess who's Bazak? Back on the block with them face mob, knack mittens and holes. Don't make me relapse. Back to the block with them because the streets is all I know. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.